Okay, I think this is Free Talk Live. Hey, there's the music. It is Free Talk Live. 1-800. We have the music. We are Free Talk Live. I do love that music. Uh, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you to take control of the airwaves this Thanksgiving Eve. Uh, And, of course, we are getting ready for an entire weekend of, uh, well, not the entire weekend. I guess Sunday excluded. But we're getting ready for an entire regular Friday, Thursday, Saturday of live shows. We are going to be live. I didn't mention this last night. We are going to be live on Thanksgiving. Thanks to uh, big thanks to GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, and I, th- I think it's uh, Matt, the board operator, that's coming in uh, on his Thanksgiving Day off to work just for us. I think that that's the guy you really have to thank. I mean, uh, you know, GCN, <laughs> uh, they have the equipment there and everything, but they have the equipment there all the time. You really yeah. need the warm body to operate it. And thanks to uh, if, if it's Matt, Matt. Uh, so, we will take your calls about anything, whether it's tonight or this weekend. Uh, you're welcome to take control of the airwaves here at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And, uh, by the way, tonight it is Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We'll start things out here tonight uh, with a story about Pakistan. Josh, You've got it for us. What's happening out there? Well, um, the raw story has to report, and Obama is using Blackwater for assassinations in Pakistan. Are they? Apparently. Uh, that's that's the story I read, too. I, I find it very, very disturbing that they're just doing assassinations and stuff in some How many people do they country? need to assassinate? I mean... Can you give me a little more on this? Well, the Obama administration is using mercenaries with the firm formerly known as Blackwater to kidnap and assassinate high-value targets in Pakistan, according to a published report. The program operated out of the U.S. Joint Special Operations Command, JSOC, is so compartmentalized that senior figures within the Obama administration and the U.S. military chain of command may not be aware of its existence, an unnamed source with direct knowledge of the program told The Nation reporter Jeremy Scahill. So they are essentially kind of – are they using the Blackwater people to get around rules that would govern their conduct? Like is the CIA authorized to go and just kill people around the world or is that why they have to hire Blackwater to do it? I think I'm a little um, – you know, this, this would probably require more of a constitutional scholar than I am. But I, I do have some questions. The, uh, the Constitution allows letters of mark and reprisal. I – don't recall off the top of my head if those letters of mark and repri- reprisal need to be authorized by the uh, the the legislative branch, and if they don't, then couldn't the federal government, uh, you know, uh, you know, designate an agency to uh, ascertain who needs letters of mark and reprisal? And if so, that means killing, right? That means killing. Okay. And if so. That's wouldn't, a fancy way to say killing. Wouldn't this be a uh, uh, you know a, a constitutional and perhaps better use of the uh, you know of, of armed forces? I mean, isn't it better to use a, a private entity than it is to use the uh, the military, which is just it's got to be ten times as expensive uh, than using these uh, these mercenaries? It would seem that you'd be correct about that. That doesn't mean I support what they're doing, though. It, I don't think it's a good idea to go in anyone's country and kill anyone, but. I, you know, I've I've got some problems with hap- what happened on 9/11, and I really would like to see Osama bin Laden, uh, you know, held to trial for that particular uh, act. I think we've done a lot of 
illegal and unconstitutional things to get where we are. Not you know, me. The United States government has done a lot of illegal and unconstitutional things to get us to the point where we are today. And does that mean that we should stop uh, doing anything further? Some would say yes. Some would say no. I, you know, I've I've kind of lost my bloodlust for uh, 9/11 personally. Well. First of all, I, we should not be doing anything because I'm not going to be killing anyone. Uh, I am a, a man of peace. I'm not interested in going and invading another country, so I won't be part of that. Uh, and I certainly don't want to be part of this, and that's one of the reasons why I feel good about not paying, uh, trying or working to avoid as many federal taxes as I possibly can because I, I don't want to be a part of this. Is there more, Josh, out of the story that you want to share? There is. Uh, Z Services... XE. That's that's the new name of yeah. uh, Blackwater. Formerly known as Blackwater. Just to make it more confusing, uh, make it more difficult for people to actually reference them. Yeah, that it, way it, it happens from time to time. They just change the business right. name, get a new corporation, yeah. well, new front group, whatever. Well, Blackwater isn't exactly the uh, you know uh, you know it doesn't inspire warm fuzzies in people at this point. I think they would prefer to not be recognized than to be recognized by their not yeah. so warm and not so fuzzy name. They right. could they could make produce and it still wouldn't you know really inspire confidence. Yep. Anyway, um, they're also allegedly involved in intelligence collection for a drone bombing campaign in the country. Scahill's report added that a defense official on background specifically denied that Blackwater performs work on drone strikes or intelligence for JSOC in Pakistan. We don't have any contracts to do that work for us. We don't contract that kind of work out, period, the official said. There's not so been. who's getting intelligence for drone strikes? I mean, does that mean that we're just flying the drones around and when we see something looks like a wedding, we blow it up? I mean, what what does that mean? Well, of course, they're getting some kind of intelligence. Well, they're saying they don't drones. contract it out. Well, who's it's done in house? Who's doing it? The, uh, are they suggesting that the United States military is in Pakistan? Because I think that that would be uh, that, that would be a violation of the Constitution, of the United States, and the sovereign borders of Pakistan. We have not declared war What's on new? Pakistan, and there we should not have military men in. They the... have not declared war, and they probably never will declare another war. Well, you can. Collect, I don't think they'll ever declare. You another can war. collect intelligence through informants. They don't actually have to invade the country to do that thing. But are the the informants are to, they're coming across the border. Uh, oh, I see. They have intelligence agents over there. We all all of our uh, Middle Eastern looking uh, in, uh, CIA agents are over there collecting intelligence. Right. Well, the the previously unreported program the military intelligence source said is distinct from the CIA assassination program that the agency's director Leon Panetta announced that he had canceled in July, June of 2009. This is a parallel operation to the CIA, said the source. These are two separate beasts. A Blackwater spokesman told the nation that none of its forces are operating in Pakistan. However, a former senior executive at Blackwater told Scahill that Z's mercs are indeed working in Pakistan, sometimes employed by the country's government to operate alongside soldiers. The arrangement allows the Pakistani government to deny any U.S. military presence in the country while allowing them to tap former U.S. Special Forces members for high-risk missions. So Blackwater is officially saying, no, we don't know anything about this. We're not over there. Former sure, uh, executive what, what, is saying, yes, we are. Uh, the what Blackwater obligation does Blackwater have to tell me or the, the you know journalists the truth? None. None. I mean, well, the, the government does have an obligation, in my opinion, to, that if they answer a question, that they, they have to answer it truthfully. I don't think so. They, I don't think they have that obligation either. I think that they do. Well, I pay, to lie. I pay their, 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 their salary, therefore they, they should not be lying to me. Don't you think that that's true? Sounds like a nice plan. So it's an obligation. I'm not saying that they do, and I'm not saying that it's a legal obligation. Uh-huh. I'm just saying they're obliged from a moral standpoint to tell me the truth. Presuming they have morals. 
Blackwater is not obligated to tell me the truth. That's Got what it. I'm saying. So essentially, uh, they're, what they're saying there is the executive is claiming that the Pakistani government's actually hiring out the former Blackwater to do whatever nastiness they want to do there. And that way they can claim they're not using the U.S. military, right. even though these are all former military guys that are now in Blackwater. Oh, yeah. The contractors and um, the Joint Special Operations personnel, they're not, they're not working under any sort of classified mandate. They're not overseen by Congress. So, of course, uh, so they can do whatever they, they just want. They don't care. Right, they 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 have no uh, restrictions whatsoever. Whereas the U.S. military has some alleged restrictions that might tie tie it down. Uh, various different uh, bills and uh, legislation that have been passed over the years, t- saying that you can't do this, you can't do that. You know, they can't, for for instance, have this posse comitatus thing where you bring the military in to police the streets of America. But that wouldn't prevent them from hiring Blackwater to do the same thing, right? No, that's technically not military. It's outside. Of that jurisdiction. Right, just private police, private uh, private contractors. I mean, they're not, they're, they're not bound by anything at all. And of course, we've already seen that the Posse Comitatus thing has been overrun and overridden at this point. I, I think it still exists, and they still pander to it to some extent, but there was an incident down in Alabama earlier this year where they brought troops in and they used them to police the streets. They admitted later on that they shouldn't have done it, but <laughs> what do you do about that? Nobody stopped it. You, are you going to sue the U.S. military? You think you've got enough money for that? Do you think you have standing? And right? surprise, surprise, the White House did not respond to requests for comment. Toll-free numbers eight. That's because they're all about peace. You know, they're peace, peaceful White House there. Uh, except, no, they're bringing, what was it, 35,000 new troops into Afghanistan? 34,000? We'll find out after Thanksgiving. I've got a story about landmines coming up. More coming up. Uh, your calls as well at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. What about uh, talk show hosts that claim to be libertarians? We'll look at one of them coming up. Notorious space pirate Phoebus Crumb had retired to a frontier world, only to see it destroyed by raiders. Now, Crumb is given a new ship, a new crew, and a dangerous new mission. Infiltrate deep within enemy territory and destroy a deadly dreadnought that threatens the balance of galactic power. Follow the illustrated adventures of L. Neal Smith's Phoebus Crumb online now at bigheadpress.com slash pk. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring us what you want by dialing toll-free 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And those features include our Facebook profile. You can go and become, uh, you can join our group over there at facebook.freetalklive.com. It's totally free. That, again, is facebook.freetalklive.com. Have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? You should. He has five days of firearms training waiting for you, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice if you go to frontsite.com for your training and free gun. So go to frontsite.com for your training and free gun. All right, toll-free number again, 800-259-9231. I I mentioned we were going to do this on last night's show, and I thought it was worth bringing up because there's a lot of talk in the Liberty community, at least from what I can see it, about this Glenn Beck character. And we've talked about him on this show in the past. Uh, He likes to label himself as a libertarian. Now, Glenn Beck, in case you don't know, is the arguably the number three most popular talk show I don't think it's arguable. I think it's hands down. Well... 
it's a t- it's a tie between him and uh, Michael Savage. Savage uh, is at a disadvantage because he's on in the evenings and Glenn Beck is on primetime. I don't think that there's any real. Um, here, I'll go check Wikipedia, but I'm. I, well, I think according I to checked, according to Talkers Magazine, he's tied for third place with uh, with Michael Savage. Okay. Now, no one would ever dare call Michael Savage a libertarian. That's uh, that much is for sure. Uh, Rush Limbaugh would not be called a libertarian. Sean Hannity would not be called a libertarian. So, so he's supposedly the you know the top self-professed libertarian uh, talk show host in in America, and. While he may have moved in the right direction, and we all started somewhere on this path to liberty, whether you started on the socialist side of things or the non-voter side, you know, the the apathetic side or the you know kind of the more conservative uh, fascist side, we all started somewhere, and it, and it took us time to get to where we are today. So, to that extent. I understand that you know Glenn Beck probably still has some more gl- uh, growing to do if he actually wants to become a a true libertarian. Right. When I listen to a show, I, I what I hear is somebody who's moved along the path of liberty to some extent, in the same way I did. And I think that uh, it's difficult to move uh, to change your opinion when you're a nationally syndicated radio talk show host. Well, when especially when they tell you in the business that you're not supposed to change your opinion. Yes. So to his credit, yeah. I think he's definitely loosened up a little bit. He certainly had Ron Paul on his program. He certainly had Penn Jillette, uh, who is most certainly a libertarian, uh, on his show. And that's good. That all is. Uh, those are all positive indicators. But I spotted a blog post over at LewRockwell.com yesterday, and it's about this. I guess Glenn Beck is really kind of ramping up some sort of a political campaign. I again, I don't listen to his his program, so I don't know exactly what's going on. Is this the nine twelve project? I don't know. Uh, Sounds like you may know more about it than I do. I listen. I, I had seen something Sometimes. in the the trade publications, the radio trade publications, about how he's becoming like a political organizer or something, and is encouraging people to learn how to run for office and, yes. and stuff like that. Is this your understanding, Mark? Yes, what do you that know is about my this? understanding that that he's basically setting up. Uh, like, like a events, or something, right? um, and you know, they're going to teach people how to run for Congress or whatever. Right. Political candidates. So he's looking to, you know, make a splash in political organizing, which typically talk show hosts don't get involved in that sort of stuff. They're normally just, eh, you know, they talk to politicians and they monologue and that's what they do and take phone calls occasionally. So it looks like he's getting a little bit more active. And it would be nice if he were getting active and actually promoting the ideas of liberty at the same time. But uh, according to his five pledges, it doesn't look like he's really that close at all. And apparently he's asking people to sign these things, is asking his listeners to sign these pledges. So I figured, let's go through these five pledges and see how libertarian the five of them are. Number one, I believe in a balanced budget and therefore will vote for a freeze in government spending until that goal is realized. Doesn't sound too bad. Well, I'm going to share the comments here from Lou Rockwell. He says, so higher spending is okay when the official budget is balanced. And it's okay now, so long as I vote for a measure to freeze official spending, even if it is defeated. But talk of a balanced budget is nonsense, since, as Ron Paul points out, even if the official budget is balanced, the feds can and do spend vast amounts off budget. That must be eliminated, but notice there's no mention of that, nor of cutting spending, since Republicans don't believe in cutting spending. So he's not saying anything about reducing the size of government, he's talking about just balancing the budget. 
And we've talked about the CAFRs on this show before. It's kind of an interesting little side note to the government's budget. In fact, it's a much larger note. Uh, It's not really a side note. It's the bigger picture. The Comprehensive Annual Financial Report is what CAFR stands for. And when Lou Rockwell mentions how there's money that's off budget, that's what he's talking about. The budget is just a a small portion of of the entire assets and liabilities that the uh, that the government has different governments local state federal governments have millions and trillions of dollars billions millions billions and trillions depending on what level you're talking about of money taxpayer dollars that are not on the budget they are in things like uh, investments and uh, you know capital and assets and and things like that so a lot of these governments literally have billion-dollar investment accounts, multi-billion-dollar investment accounts that they're collecting interest on, and there's all kinds of money uh, floating around out there. I think that most people understand um, that you know the government has assets, and that those some of those assets uh, you know accrue interest. And what offends them is that we're that the government is spending more money than they're taking in. That's what I think people find most offensive. They're spending more than they're taking in. You mean on the budget or elsewhere? I don't care. Okay. <laughs> is all I is I, I would I would consider it to be a huge step step in the right direction for the 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 debt uh, you know the government debt to be going down, not up. Glenn's number two pledge. I believe government should not increase the financial burden on its citizenry during difficult economic times. Therefore, I will oppose all tax increases until our economy has rebounded. When aren't there tough economic times? Well, whenever the government decides there aren't, I guess. So he's not even taking a stance of reduce the government. Again, number two here, he's saying uh, you need to not have tax increases when times are tough. But whenever times are not tough, hey, it's party time. Increase taxes. I think that these are good things to say. I don't think that they necessarily will work. Um, I think that most of the Republicans that were elected in 2000 to 2006, when we had all Republican, you know, it was not all Republican, but it, the Republican control in the House, the Senate, and the, the White House, that that is likely what those people got elected upon. Um, I do think that uh, – wait, wait, wait. Those people got elected upon things like smaller government, lower taxes. He's not talking about that. I mean they, he's not even taking traditional conservative uh, positions in this. You get con- – conservatives got elected and they continue to get elected by pandering to the pro-liberty mindset that exists in America. Remember George Bush's campaign signs back in the year 2000? Smaller government. Yeah. You didn't get it. He didn't do damn th- one damn thing toward uh, achieving a smaller government, but people believed it, and they voted for him. Because, well, he was the lesser of two evils, or maybe they actually believed that he was going to, uh, you know, to bring smaller government about. But in this case, Glenn Beck is saying that he thinks government shouldn't increase financial burdens during a difficult economic times until the economy's rebounded. Then go ahead, increase taxes. I mean, that's not even close to being libertarian. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. 
Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those, including updates. Get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And take the startpage.com seven-day challenge. For seven days, use startpage.com instead of your Big Brother search engine and experience the difference. You'll likely not want to return to your old one. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines. And unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search. Start the seven-day challenge today at startpage.com. As we go to Tristan in Maryland, uh, talking about the so-called libertarian talk show host, uh, Glenn Beck. Tristan, you're on Free Talk Live. Great to be back again. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Well... I'm going to be quite frank and honest of all you guys. I hate Glenn Beck. Why do you hate him? Well, because, first of all, he's making everyone think that libertarians and conservatives are exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, look, at the Tea Parties themselves, we, libertarians are mixed in with, with every, all the other parts of the right, you know, paleoconservatives, neo-Nazis, and other unsavory characters. <laughs> There that you are calling libertarians right. Well, that's what the public sees us. They do. I don't consider myself to be on the right, but uh, me neither. I can understand why people do consider libertarians to be on on the right. Um, you know, to some extent, I guess you know, somewhere in my mind, I think of it that way. But I, you know, my, the most important thing to me in the world right now, as far as from a political standpoint, is that I would like to see the scaling back of the United States foreign policy, uh, get, get the troops out of foreign countries and stop blowing people up that look different from us in order to uh, gain strategic uh, you know, things around the world for politicians uh, you know, that, that, that aren't fighting for that stuff. And that sounds like a very liberal position. Yes, of course, and which is why on that we should be on the side of the left. I just don't like the whole idea of left-right. It, it was offensive when I considered myself a libertarian, and now I consider myself a voluntarist. But at the time, I considered it offensive when somebody would put me in either of those uh, of those two camps. Because, it's just wrong. Right. <laughs> it, it's it's just you, you can't effectively define it, uh, define libertarianism by talking about the right or the left, because it's a completely different philosophy. Yeah. It's a completely like one-dimensional approach, too. I mean... You can either be left or right or somewhere center. Why not above or below? Why not exactly. tangent? Exactly. So uh, what else do you have to say about Glenn Beck? Are you a listener well, of his? I don't li- I don't I mean I I don't really li- I don't really watch Glenn Beck. I do see occasional clips of his and he, the thing about him is is the fact that he's very religious has alienated a number of the non-religious libertarians to the point where People think, oh, you have to be religious to be a libertarian. Does the rights come from God and all that? Do you know what uh, religion he is offhand? Mormon. Yeah. You know, this is something that never gets touched on uh, by by him. He won't say the word Mormon because I think (laughs) that it would alienate um, some of his listenership. His Christian conservative audience. And uh, because they consider it to be a cult. 
And um, <laughs> on top of that, the Mormons don't believe in capital punishment. But if you hear Glenn Beck talk about capital punishment, he'll essentially talk about it in favor of it. However, he'll say, if you believe in capital punishment... And then he'll talk about it in a way that, you know, was very positive toward As though he believes, but he right. doesn't in point of fact. He is a big, fat liar when That's it comes cowardly. to... Yeah, it really is. He doesn't believe his the tenets of his religion. I mean, he gets on there and, you know, debases Mormonism. It's sick. That's Tristan? The, fact, the main problem is that he's a liar. That's why I want him off the air. Well, that's not very likely. <laughs> Anything else you want to share? No, that's it. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. At 800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. What we're doing here is we're uh, just looking at the five pledges that I guess Glenn Beck is asking his audience to take uh, to uh, join in solidarity with Glenn and his mission to do whatever the hell he's trying to do. Uh, I guess put his politicians and uh, people of his particular mindset in power. And if you just listen to the surface-level stuff that he says, you might believe that Glenn Beck is, uh, you know, a liberty-minded person. He calls himself a libertarian, right? He must understand what freedom is. Much more so than, like, the proto-Limbaugh he used to be. I, uh, I couldn't stand listening to his show before. I'll catch it, apparently, and over, over the year I have noticed a gradual leaning towards libertarianism in in his show i don't know if that's more from a marketing standpoint or what i think it's just trying to latch on i always feel like it's a marketing thing because these guys like glenn beck who are essentially clearly market when it comes to the death penalty right either he a doesn't believe mormonism's stance on capital punishment um and you know refuses it doesn't have enough of a spine to say um you know i don't believe what my church says on capital punishment or he's trying to spin uh, capital punishment for his largely conservative audience. He wouldn't come out and say to his largely conservative audience, I don't believe in capital punishment. I think that uh, if you do, you're murdering sons of witches. Like, he wouldn't do that. So he he is certainly willing to spin on that particular issue. I would love your thoughts at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. A question that uh, I think needs to be asked here is, Somebody like Glenn Beck, somebody with the prominence in the radio industry, uh, as, I mean, we were looking at the numbers over the break. He's estimated to have over 9 million listeners. That's a lot. And Rush, uh, by the way, his numbers are way down. I don't know if it's because we're not talking about a political season right now and people are just aren't listening as know. much or, or but, what, but that's, I mean, the, tremendous drop for old Rush. The question is, Josh, you're, you're observing that Glenn Beck has made a few steps in the Liberty direction, but from what we're reading here, it hasn't really been anything significant. So he's just taken a few steps, but enough to start marketing himself differently. He feels as though he's different from the other hosts, and so he wants to call himself a libertarian in order to separate himself uh, even more from the other Rush Limbaugh imitators out there. And is that damaging to the libertarian movement? I I think it is as a branding. Like, the problem I see is there's this tendency to type of continually, like, brand and rebrand a set of uh, ethics that is pretty much as old as humanity. You know, and Instead of being right or left all the time, I'm tired of being told I have to be on the right instead of in it. Mm-hmm. So, I, I I agree. I mean, so you, you think know, it's damaging? It, it's damaging, but what do you do? How you far can't do anything? How far do we run from terminology like? Uh, libertarian. Right. What happens when Glenn Beck starts calling himself a voluntarist, right? right. I mean, <laughs> your your political beliefs and mine haven't moved that much. Um, uh, 
you know, over the years, but at one point you would have called yourself a conservative. You would have called yourself a libertarian. You would have called yourself a now uh, you a know, then free marketeer, yeah. then, uh, then, then voluntarius. So, you know, these, this terminology's changed over time, right. but I haven't changed that much. But then again, maybe I have. I did support the war in Afghanistan and the war in Iraq. Now I'm thoroughly against wars of all sorts. Right, right. And I'm not saying he shouldn't shouldn't change. I'm not saying he shouldn't move in the in the right direction. Just kind of wondering, is it damaging or is it positive in that people are going to hear the term libertarian, that they might be more likely to go and start page uh, libertarian and find out more about what being a libertarian is and maybe find out that, hey, wait a minute. This Glenn Beck guy isn't actually a libertarian. It, how many people will actually, of his nine million listeners, how many of them will actually take the time to investigate the ideas of liberty on their own versus how many will just hear Glenn Beck saying, I'm a libertarian, and so then they'll say, well, I like what Glenn Beck says, so I, I must be a libertarian, libertarian too. too. Right. Uh, well, but <laughs> I think that with a libertarian, you do have this common ground where you know the, the guy says, I'm a libertarian. Well, then you believe in liberty, right? And if you believe in liberty, let's talk about liberty issue by issue. Yeah. And let's talk about how liberty isn't uh, using the military to get what politicians want in Washington, D.C. Let's talk about, you know, how the drug war isn't uh, about liberty. Let's, you know, I think that you have, you can at least establish that. Um, one of the ways that I've found to establish with the peace crowd, uh, you know, ideas of liberty is, well, you believe in peace, don't you? Mm-hmm. And then you rattle off and you show how, the gun in the room right? and how threatening people isn't peaceful. Right. You wouldn't call me threatening somebody peaceful. Right. And sure. so then that's you can that's, hold their hands and show them that their position in favor of the state is actually favoring anything but peace. It's actually favoring violence. It's favoring the threat. Uh, it's favoring coercion. 800-259-9231. Whether they want to see it at that point or not is going to be a whole other issue and completely in their hands. Just calling yourself something isn't going to, you're not going to see a sea change. It's going to be person by person, issue by issue. And they that's have all to there come, is to it. Right. They have to come to understand the ideas of liberty. 800-259-9231. Not the young ones. More coming up. You take control. This is I Free Talk one. Live. If you're paying more than $14.95 per month for DSL, you are paying way too much. It's time to make the switch to DSL Extreme, the nation's number one internet service provider. DSL Extreme is fast, and at $14.95 per month, it's cheaper than dial-up. Plus, you get free spam protection, a free modem, and 24-hour-a-day free local tech support with no setup fees. Service restrictions apply. Call 1-866-2-GET-NET. That's 1-866-2-GET-NET. Or go to DSLExtreme.com. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Coming up, of course... On Friday, it is uh, the infamous Black Friday, wherein people will be getting up at 4 in the morning and going and standing outside in a long, lengthy mm. line, uh, waiting. Frothing, waiting to trample each other through the door. Yep, uh, waiting to crush and uh, harm one another in order to grab a $20 TV set or something like that. Uh, stay home. Get your shopping done online. Amazon.freetalklive.com. 
you can likely get pretty much everything that you're looking for that's on your list for the people that you're looking to uh, purchase holiday gifts for and that sort of thing. And I'm pretty sure they offer gift wrapping as well. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Plus, when you enter through that link, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. You know Amazon, the world's largest Internet retailer. Free super saver shipping on a whole lot of brand new items. Plus, even used items are available. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter through that portal. We go to Dylan in Wisconsin. Dylan, you're on Free Talk Live. With Ian, Josh, and hey guys, I hey, uh, heard you talking about Glenn Beck, and I'd just like to say uh, I, I like some of the things you're saying, but uh, originally when I started really noticing some of this stuff, it was because I started listening to Glenn Beck. And uh, when you were saying how he can like, send the wrong message because he's a conservative and he's saying he's a libertarian, mm-hmm. I agree with that. But uh, I think what it kind of comes down to is, like, really in order to be truly liberty-minded, you have to be constantly looking at, like, the person that you are, every action you do, you need to be looking at it as if you were on the outside, you know? Yeah. Like I think you're right about that. Affecting I'm, someone else. I'm curious, though, Dylan. I mean, you're, so what you're saying is your answer to my question of, well, is Glenn Beck calling himself a libertarian detrimental to the libertarian movement, or is it beneficial? You know, it could be detrimental from this side of things in that uh, it misleads people. They don't understand what liberty is. They're turned off by Glenn Beck's uh, many of the things he says, and so therefore they never look into libertarianism. Or it could be good in that maybe in your case, uh, as you're saying, it helped you find more freedom-oriented things. What was your path? I mean, how did you get from Glenn Beck to where you are now? Well, uh, you know, I started I, – I, I saw him on Fox, and uh, I think definitely one of the good things that is coming to this is that, you know, he is on Fox. And whether he's a libertarian or not, what, one good thing we can all agree on, I think, is that the fact that he's saying he's libertarian and Fox is somewhat mainstream since it is a channel that a lot of people watch, you know, that kind of throws another view in there, throws another aspect into this this political spectrum that well, we look at, and it's just left, right, or, you know... It throws in another it word. Correct, it still puts it out there. It puts, it th- yeah, it throws in another word. It doesn't throw in necessarily another view. I mean, to me, he is... You know, somewhere on the libertarian side of conservative, and I'm I'm willing to give him that. To call him a libertarian seems somewhat generous. I'm I'm probably the most generous uh, on this show, at least, as far as calling one a conservative. Excuse me, a libertarian. But I, you know, one of the things that that bothers me the most is when libertarians support the largest uh, government uh, program there is, and that's the war. But yeah, as you I mean, still haven't explained, though, Dylan, what uh, what took you from finding Glenn Beck on television or radio to really coming to understand liberty? What was your process? Oh well, uh, well, like I said, I, I started listening to him on uh, on the radio and I, I watched him on television, and then I ended up seeing that he wrote that book, Arguing with Idiots. I was curious, you know, so I bought the book, read it. There was a lot of good facts in there, but I, you know, I don't prefer to call. People idiots just because I don't agree with them, but yeah, but well, you got to sell so books I, too, <laughs> right? So I, there was some good facts in there, and it just got me interested, and I started looking a little more, and then I, you know, found I found the Free State Project, found a bunch of other stuff. I was just just kept digging, and I pretty much have been digging ever since. I can't. Wow, so so you went from Glenn Beck to the Free State Project? Was it because? Yeah. Do you remember why that was that was? Well, actually, uh, I, I ended up I was. I'm a big Metallica fan. This is actually kind of a weird way I found Free State Project, but they have a song called Don't Tread on Me. Mm-hmm. And I looked up, I didn't remember what that was all about. So I looked up Don't Tread on Me, and then it brought me to the Gadsden flag mm-hmm. and whatnot. Interesting. Which I found the Free State Project from there. 
So not necessarily directly connected to Glenn Beck, but maybe Glenn well, Beck. Well, got me interested in. He, in he the primed stuff, you. It, yeah, he he kind of prepped you for it. I, I think the problem is, is if people they come to this first gatekeeper of of the, the ideas like somebody like Glenn Beck, and that's where it stops. If if you stop digging at that point and you accept what he is or maybe evolves into or what he advocates at face value alone, I think that's where the problem would come from. Right, and I, I agree that, you know, I, I'm I'm probably one of the exceptions to people. I mean, a lot of people don't go digging. A lot of people just do believe what they hear first time, you know. Well, the, the information age that we live in makes it that easy. You could probably go through this transformation in a, in a week's time. The information yeah. is, is that accessible. And that's a good right. thing. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Dylan, did you want to share other uh, something else with us tonight? Uh, yeah. Uh, one other thing is uh, recently in uh, in my town we had a referendum for like for educational funding and it was like they wanted another thirty million. We live in a small town, but they wanted another thirty million dollars, and it was just a joke to me. It didn't pass, thank God. But uh, it just it's a joke to me when we have the Patriot Act in there that that holds students back. We have classes at my high school called fitness walking and like skills of survival all fitness walking is is a class where you walk power walking that's, that's the gym <laughs> class you walk and 30 million dollars for ankle weights yeah what a waste of money you know and what a joke kids get an a in a class where all they got to do is walk yeah you know, he's never been a tough one kids, though i mean i you know speaking as a guy who graduated high school Oh my God! Twenty years ago, um, PE was still the the giveaway A class at that time too. You pretty much had to like not dress out into PE clothes. That was back when uh, I wore you know polyester shorts that were way up on my upper thigh. Uh, but you know, life was a little You're different. Right. Than... So like, why do you need to make it any easier? You know? I don't know. Well, <laughs> hey, you got to pay for it. So too bad. Ha ha ha. And the other thing is that skills of survival. A friend of mine is in that class, and it's just. It's ridiculous. I guess they go over like how to do laundry and survival. Like, and, and I, I'm, in, I'm a senior in high school, and they're doing these things. It's like I feel like this stuff is taught by your family, and if not, maybe in elementary school. Skills of survival. When you were saying that, I thought it was going to be like pitching a tent in the woods or something. Yeah, that's what like I was that. hearing. No, the family <laughs> consumer education class. Wow. Wow. That's, you know, that's amazing. That's what they're calling home economics now. It, it is frustrating. Yeah. And, uh, I, and I share the frustration. And that's one of the reasons why I joined the Free State Project and made the move to New Hampshire in hopes that getting together with other like minded, liberty oriented people, we could put a stop to this madness and make it so that we aren't forced to pay for this crap anymore. Because, you know, if, if a school wants to offer this curriculum, that's fine. Uh, I shouldn't be forced to pay for it, though. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Dylan, for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Uh, we'll continue the five pledges here coming up in hour number two. Let's go to Charles in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live. Charles. Hello. How are you doing? What's on your mind tonight, Charles? Oh, yeah. I just wanted to let you all know some great news that I had heard this morning. I was um, getting ready for school like around five this morning, and I was watching um, Channel Fox 26 in Houston, and they actually was talking about the global warming incident with the emails and everything. Mm -hmm. Glorious. And I was so glad to see that. But the only thing I didn't like was they maybe spent maybe two minutes total on the subject, and then they changed it. And it's like they was trying to cover it up, too. Well, uh, Charles, to, to be fair to the news people, um, you're probably dealing with what is a half an hour long newscast, an hour at the most, 
Uh, usually they're half an hour. They only have so much time to cover a variety of different stories. And that's one of the things that bugs me about news. I, I actually share your uh, your frustration with that, too, because I remember when, when I used to watch television, and I don't anymore, but I would see you, they'd, they'd show a teaser at the end of a television show, coming up tonight at 11. You know, and then they'd... Sharks attack at 11. Right. They, then they would sell whatever it is that their story was going to be that was the real the real good teaser for you, that you w- would make you want to watch... The the newscast and then they'd show you you know they'd show you a clip they'd mention something about it coming up tonight and then you know you'd see it later on you'd see it later on and finally the news comes on and you wait through two commercial breaks because they put the you know they put the big story or whatever at the very end of the yeah. hour and so you have to wait through all of the other news and then it finally comes up and it's a 30 second package you don't see any extra um the package is a news term for the the news thing that they put together the it's usually a rollout piece Right at the end, a you're ready to roll over. Oh, right. I, yeah, sometimes yes, uh, but in many cases, it's just a quickie, uh, just a quick little blurb, and it's you think to yourself, I waited for an, a half an hour to see this. It's the same footage they put in the the promo piece at the end of the television show I watched. So uh, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from, but hey, you should be, I guess, pleased that they even mentioned it. And I thank you for the call tonight at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. The news exists to get you to wait through commercial breaks, like we do. 1-800-259-9231. Well, you can hold on to the, to the news at the top of the hour, too. That's right. Uh, we will come back after the news, and you can bring up what's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. This is Ian. Have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? You should. He has a free handgun and five days of firearms training waiting for you. That's right. You can attend five days of world-class gun training at Front Sight Firearms Training Institute and secure a 30-state concealed weapon permit, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Now is the time. You and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. And the Millionaire Patriot is paying his own money to help you get it. This is real. Thousands have already taken advantage of it, and you should too. Don't miss out. Secure a Front Sight defensive handgun course plus 30-state concealed weapon permit for pennies on the dollar and get your free handgun. Go to FrontSight.com today. That's F-R-O-N-T-S-I-G-H-T dot com. Go to FrontSight.com for your training and free gun. Again, that's FrontSight.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching here into the second hour of the program. You may dial in toll-free and bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. Josh. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We're going to start things out by going right into your calls. Ray is on the line in Illinois. Ray, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. I just want to express my uh, frustration with the idea of private defense agency in a voluntaristic society and what I think is a better alternative towards protection, if that would be okay. Yeah, by all means. All right. Well, my problem with the private defense agency is the fact that it's a means of receiving money with violence practically as a product. And I have the feeling they would attend to... Violence? Well, wait, wait, hold on a second. Before you go on, I know you've got things you want to say, but let's uh, make sure we're on the same page here before we continue. 
the idea of a private defense agency would be that it's simply a market replacement for the government's monopoly on protection. And of course, uh, we we understand that the you know the government doesn't actually protect as much as it uh, as much as it endangers. But a private defense agency's product isn't violence necessarily; it's yeah. protecting people from violence. I don't I don't see the mall cop really you know leaving <laughs> that those grounds and coming knocking on your door and enforcing well, me- other rules express it this way. I feel that they would tend, obviously, as any good businessman, is towards who they can receive the most money for their service, which would be the corporate elite. And I feel that there's nothing wrong with capitalism, but whenever you have the ability for, I think, an open Pandora's box towards aggression in the sense that you have now uh, capitalism with the prospect that corporations can intend to using violence as their means I guess suppressing the people. He's, he's right to a degree. I mean, you just look at the the coal strikes of the twenties as a perfect example. Workers are you know treated like scum. They're not paid any money. They're paid with worthless company script. Have to buy their own tools. Live in camps in little villages right next to the mine. They get fed up and they organize. And what the miner owners do is they brought in old timey mercenaries, the Pinkertons, which are based. They were you know, free uh, free market. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They were free market defense, and they had a nasty reputation for being union busters. I mean, we're ta- we're talking machine guns uh, mounted down to protect the mines and everything. So, what do we, I mean? Do you have a proposal, Josh? Are you somebody who's in favor of government uh, protection? Not, um, not particularly, but I have to agree with this caller that you're not going to really change human nature to that degree. There are going to be the big the the big money mobsters who are going to try to exploit that and have their own personal army in the story that you're talking about with the people that were essentially living in a corporate town is that kind of what you're referencing there yeah uh, were they up, slaves were they slaves or did they choose to work did they choose to work there which is a sort of point of exploitation where the the blur between free and slave is kind of really blurred. Don't look at me to come save you on this one. I believe the peonism is absolutely a a form of slavery. However, what I would point out... They were under contract, if that answers your question. We're, we're, um, uh, you know, I don't think that, uh, you know, whatever. I I think at some point a contract uh, becomes moot um, when, you know, people have, uh, you know, endured a great deal of of physical harassment. However, um, I, I would also point out that we're not talking about a world currently where people hold no property and uh, essentially have to work in order to, you know, eat, you know, have to choose to be peons in order to, to be employed. That's not a world that we live in today. Um, you know, and I don't know that I don't know that we would return to that in the same way that I don't know we, we would return to slavery um, because we don't you know, rely on agrarian culture in the same way either. If you look at uh, other cultures and other working environments around the world, certainly many of them are less desirable than those that we have in this country. But the reason why we have such comforting, uh, comfortable working environments in this country today aren't because governments exist and have created regulations. It's because 
that business owners have an interest in getting the best workers. And so in order to do that, they have to provide those workers, they have to provide the uh, people that they're looking to hire with an attractive experience. And so while those things may have happened in the past, the question is how likely are they to occur today? How likely is somebody to want to go and take a job like that where they're treated in that way? If they know that these things are going on, why would they want to go and work at at a place like that? I can't see why they would. So it's like you're saying, Mark, we're not in that world uh, anymore. Right. The difficulty is – The conditions are different. When somebody sets up this imaginary scenario as to – or uses a historical example, yeah, but I don't crap in a hole in the ground anymore. Um, You know, life has changed. Ray, your thoughts on that? Well, first off, I mean, like I agree that the historic example is right on for the most part. But I think, though, that we can simply agree that if there's a better way – I mean, a better way, when I'll pick that way, and I just thought the better way would be to use the capitalistic model in the sense that if there are groups of people that have are known to be aggressors of some kind or just an individual himself who is some way uh, virtuous, I don't know, whatever he is, but to cut off the supply of his goods and that the majority of the people would expect that their corporations would not be supplying these vile people with a means to live for the most part, in the sense that they won't be supplied with their water. Their I think that's fine. Meat. I think that's a fine idea. I think that uh, what you're yeah. talking about there is a level of community ostracism that absolutely should happen. If you've got somebody who's a dangerous element or somebody who's undesirable for whatever reason in your community, you have no obligation as a grocer to sell him groceries. You have no obligation to sell him anything. You don't have an obligation I... to let him set foot on your property. Ray, um, as playing referee here, which tends to be uh, you know my role in, on this uh, when, when people are talking about this, this world of, of no government, um, I'd like to point out that there would be no such thing as a corporation in a world where there was no government because the government is what grants corporations, or at least as we understand them today. There would be they can business. certainly call things, um, you know, you can, you can incorporate with other people in order to get a project done, but, um, you know, I don't think you're talking about the, the same stuff. But I think his idea yeah. is solid. I, I agree with it completely. And then what you're talking about is in a, you know, a version of ostracism. Of course, somebody would point out that, well, how would you be able to get away with that in a big area where there's a million people? How are you know, people going to know to refuse service to somebody? So I think maybe what you're talking about would be more effective in smaller areas, maybe in an area with a few thousand people or you know, 10 or 20,000 people would be more likely that people would know to. You know, I don't know about that. Um, you know, if, if, if I like to play these little fantasies as much as the, the next guy, um, uh, you know, this, this world where it's peaceful and there's no government uh, coercive agency and all that other stuff, yeah, I suppose it's a fun game but i mean currently uh, i'm carrying around a as are you a little pocket computer that allows me to uh, connect to the intrawebs mm-hmm. um you know in a moment's notice and i can only assume that that technology is going to increase by leaps and bounds it probably my, mine's two years old Safe i know assumption. it's increased yeah. um and i think that it's you know very short order here you're going to find uh, people access people's credit accessible on the internet for day-to-day business and then so a reputation rating is going to be something that I'm going to look up in a moment. Likely you're it's correct. going to be an implant in my eye. You're, you're, um, right. you know, I'm going to look up your reputation before I've finished saying good morning to you. I, I see I'm where going you're to coming know from. who you are at least through you know, other people's opinions. You're presuming, and it may be a safe presumption, you're presuming that society will have an interest in knowing who everybody is at all times. And, you oh, know, I 
think that um, mandating I, I, that you have some sort of ID I presented think pri- in order to buy is, grocery. Privacy from a uh, you know a financial standpoint is is going to be to some extent a thing of the past. I just don't like the idea of the government getting a hold of it. I yeah I, I tend to agree with you. Like I don't care if the grocery store knows what kind of beer that I I regularly purchase. It doesn't really matter to me. It's when the people who are willing to aggress. Uh, know what my habits are that I am a little bit concerned. So Ray, I, I definitely see uh, where you where it is that you're coming from, and I thank you for the call tonight. Uh, appreciate the discussion at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line, and it's a legitimate concern to say that also. And somebody raised this recently, I think at the at freekeen.com in the comments, but it's a legitimate concern to say that. Well, if uh, if these government aggressors are going to move into society and leave the uh, the violent monopoly, if there is no more government and no, no more violent monopoly, they're still going to be sociopaths. No. They're still going to be sickos. I don't believe so. You think the government... Well, are you serious? Right. They're not sanctioned. They're not sanctioned in the same way. You, you saw the... Uh, All right. We'll come back. Let's talk about it in moments. 800-259-9231. What will happen to the sociopaths without the violent monopoly? Give me liberty or give me death. Patrick Henry uttered those words in 1775. He died just 24 years later. You can avoid his fate by subscribing to Liberty, the National Journal of Libertarian Opinion, News, Investigation, and Intellectual Exploration. Liberty isn't just current events. In every issue, you can expect to see reflections, reviews, and reporting that challenge the individual mind. Get Liberty now with a free trial issue at libertyunbound.com and avoid an untimely meeting with the Grim Reaper. Free Talk Live, you can bring up what you want. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it is Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, and those features include live streams. There's a broadband version of the show, a dial-up version, a webcam. And we also have the brand-new Free Talk Live listen lines, which allow you to call in from anywhere that you can dial long distance and listen to Free Talk Live um, 24 hours a day. I'll give you those numbers right now. Normally, we don't give them on the air. It's 217-238-6220, 217-238-6220. You call that number, and you can listen to Free Talk Live anywhere. Public policy floats your boat. Learn about public policy by interning at state and federal policy organizations. The Charles G. Koch Summer Fellowship Program. Includes an opening in the week-long policy seminar, um, excuse me, an opening week-long policy seminar, an eight-week paid summer internship, a closing seminar, and weekly policy lectures. Choose from 70 organizations in Washington, D.C., state policy networks, think tanks across the country. Program includes a stipend and housing allowance. You would uh, have to apply by January the 30th for the summer session at libertarianinternships.com. That's libertarianinternships.com. All right. Um, just before we continue with the calls, I want to briefly discuss the issue of sociopaths and where they would go and what they would do in the absence of the violent monopoly. Because, I mean, a sociopath is uh, somebody that would be attracted to work for governments. But if, they're, uh, if we manage to get rid of the, the idea of coercive government then people that are sociopaths will not just disappear. They will meld into society and will attempt to you know, do their bidding uh, in, in different ways. 
I think that the point that needs to be made on this, because somebody might point out that, well, that means they're going to get in charge of companies and then they'll start hurting people and then, you know, da 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 da. Well, we've got competition, see? And it's the competition that will help keep workers safe, it will help keep customers safe, it will uh, encourage honesty. And those businessmen that are dishonest, the businessmen that are dangerous, will hopefully be put out of business by the fact that anybody can get in in a free market and compete with those people. So is anybody else concerned about what will happen with the sociopaths? None of that will really change if there's still black markets to feed on. What do you mean? Well, say uh, I'm not such a good guy, I'm a sociopath, and I want to get into the defense, the personal defense business, Mm -hmm. since there's no longer this guy. course of government but suppose somehow there's still a consensus among people that um substance x still is illegal and they form some sort of limited council to enforce it and it becomes the prerogative of whatever defense forces get hired that you're to sniff out and eradicate this scourge so what if i'm the sociopath defense person and i my business is dealing in this illicit substance Oh, yeah, you, you certainly could have a situation like that. I, I, when I'm talking about the voluntary society, I'm talking about one of peace, talking about one of allowing, where people allow others to be free in order so they can also be free. But you're right, Josh, in a, in a true free market, uh, you could have societies that are more restrictive than we currently have today. You could have some religious-based nutter society where it's essentially a, you know, a closed group uh, and you have to come in and, and swear allegiance to their religion and their set of rules, and that set of rules may include the things that you're talking about, and then absolutely that would be an opening for one of those sociopaths to come in and start wreaking some havoc. Yeah, the thing you have to understand about the sociopath, Ian, is that they will not change. I don't know that I'm prepared to uh, go that far. Now, first off... That um, they won't change? That's correct. Okay. Um, because people react, including sociopaths, react to uh, incentives. incentives. And um, sociopaths essentially don't care about how they get what they want. Does that sound like a an accurate uh, you know uh, definition of a sociopath to you? But they're willing to harm. They're willing to harm in order to get what they want, so they don't care what it takes to get what they want. I'd say. And if the best way for a socio that a sociopath finds to get what they want is to not harm people and you know participate in voluntary interactions then that's what you're going to find so a society that uh that that fosters that i think will have fewer people that are noticeably sociopathic in that they you know want to hurt other people very very badly now those are more like uh, you know there you're talking about something like psychopathic i'm not certainly a uh, yeah, I mean, let me define sociopath. Okay, if you'd like. uh, a person as a psychopathic personality whose behavior is antisocial and who lacks a sense of moral responsibility or social conscience. So I think you're to what you're saying, Mark, is partially correct in that some of the lesser sociopaths can, I think, be given incentives uh, to behave better, uh, considering what is available out there in society and, and what the various different incentives would be. But a true sociopath, one who just doesn't care is I don't know how swayed they're going to be by things like social ostracism. I don't know about that. Um, I, I understand, but the, the question is... is um, I, I, know, I know terrible, loner, dangerous sociopaths. They don't care how alone they are in the world, and they use that to, feel, to fuel their anger and manipulation. Well, um, having spent nine years in prison, I probably have a, a reasonable, uh, you know, grasp on what the sociopathic personality is in that, in that sense, and I certainly understand what my concern you is. Mean is from that, knowing the COs. 
Uh, well, <laughs> all of them, right? <laughs> See, that we have systems currently that foster sociopathic behavior. I agree. Um, there are people, they, they, they essentially are, they abdicate any responsibility for what it is that they do. Were they born sociopaths? Not they abdicate. They not have likely. no responsibility for what they have to do. Um, and they're not sociopaths, except in the uh, execution of their roles. So I think that it, once you take those people, the regular people, the 99% of the people that work for the government out of the role of, uh, you know, paid and forced enforcer sociopath, then you're certainly not going to have as many sociopaths, and those people aren't going to react. Now, the, the guy that got in there in order to be able to lord over somebody, he's certainly a problem and continue to be a problem, likely, until somebody who is, uh, you know, in a free society, armed freely, decides to take care of his but um you know but you by eliminating the the incentives for sociopathy you're going to see a lot less of it let's go to derek in georgia derek you're on free talk live with Ian, josh and mark derek oh, oh, did he hang that up that sound like a hang it's up it's so funny they wait and wait and wait and then yeah, it might have been just coincidence, you know. 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. So, so Josh, do you agree that sociopathy, if you will, will be diminished in a free society? I think their opportunities to lash out on a mass scale will be, but like the core personality flaws that make somebody a sociopath, that that just doesn't go doesn't go away. How many sociopaths are born a sociopath versus how many are learned to be a sociopath? You know, how many based on their experiences, based on parenting, based on society, and and variety of other things. I think they're grown more than born. So that could that. be something that could be remedied to some extent in a in a more freedom loving, uh, allowing based society rather than a control freak kind of world. Do you think you can? I mean, a lot of them uh, sociopaths are. If you want to talk about things that happened before, it's usually stuff at home. Now, not having a coercive government is not going to stop abusive family lives. Certainly it's not, not. going to stop authoritarianism in the home. And I agree. I hate to say it might actually encourage it a little bit because there's really no one to step in and do anything about it. It, it might very well. The toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. I guess then we're starting to get into the area of, well, why do those things occur? You know, what is it that could change about society to lessen the, you know, the, uh, the negative at-home lives that, uh, that you're talking about? Now we're getting into uh, psychology, and you're welcome to chime in. Uh, let us know what you think at 800-259-9231. You can bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial in toll-free, 1-800-259-9231, Thanksgiving Eve edition. We are here live, taking your calls about whatever you want, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are free, and they include the Shrine of Female Listeners, the dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send us their validated photo or video and show they are listeners of Free Talk Live. You can check out the Shrine. You can become a part of it if you're a lady listener. Go and get all the details and see it for yourself at shrine.freetalklive.com. 
That's shrine.freetalklive.com. And the Shrine of Female Listeners is brought to you by Manchester Brewing, where their John Thomas Red really melts in your mouth. Manchesterbrewing.com. As we continue, <laughs> you can bring up anything. Derek is in Georgia, and you're on. Oh, wait, Derek never was there, so I'm not going to take Derek. Uh, 800-259-9231. We'll, we'll continue what we started, actually, in hour number one. We brought up uh, this Glenn Beck character and, uh, you know, one of the three, uh, the, the top three talk show hosts in the country. He's tied, apparently, we checked out the numbers, he's tied with uh, Michael Savage, who would never be able to be described as a libertarian. Uh, he's also tied with Laura Schleisinger, uh, Dr. Laura, who actually isn't really a doctor, is she? She's a doctor, but not a doctor of, like, psych- psychology, right. as I understand it. Uh, so this Glenn Beck guy claims to be a libertarian, and it seems to be more marketing than anything else. Maybe he's actually shifted in a few positive directions. I mean, to his credit, he does bring on people like Ron Paul and uh, Penn Jillette onto his show, so that's good. I did see something from him that showed him explaining inflation and some monetary things, and he was spot on on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the stuff that he that he does on the Fed uh, makes it, you know, makes it so that I can forgive a multitude of sins in the area of uh, of Glenn Beck. You know, so. But uh, want to talk about this five pledges thing that I guess he's having his listeners sign on to as he's getting ready to engage in some sort of politicking. And encouraging people to run for office and that sort of thing. It'd be great if he was doing these things with the uh, the ideas of freedom, true principled uh, concepts of uh, freedom. But from what we're looking at here, he's not even close. The first two things he points out, that basically that he thinks that government spending should be frozen right now while uh, times are tough. But as soon as the times aren't tough anymore, go ahead, increase government He didn't say spending. that. That's what was left unsaid, but he did not say that. But, well, of course he wouldn't say that explicitly, but uh, he says he'll oppose all tax increases until the economy has rebounded, which means that he does not oppose tax increases after the economy is supposed to Well, what if you want rebounded? to increase taxes in order to bring back, uh, bring down this debt that, uh, that you know is, is hanging over the nation? It's not my debt. Number three, these are the... I said th- it was hanging over the nation. I did not say it was uh, your debt. These are the five. Well, wouldn't it make more sense to just cut the the government spending and then use whatever the receipts were to to pay that off, Mark? If you were going to actually pay that off, which is impossible, it's not likely ever going to be a possibility. It would make more sense to just say, "Bah, we're not going to pay it. We're shutting down the federal government. See you later. Good night. Go home." Uh, number three. But here are his uh, th- five. I don't pledges. think that Glenn Beck is going to get on board with the "Ah, good night. We're shutting down no, the federal obviously government." Obviously, he's not. That does not not make him a libertarian. In my mind, to my mind. Right, I guess. I mean, if you're going with a new definition of libertarian, which that seems to be what people do these days. Number three, according to the five pledges, uh, he says, I believe more than four decades of U.S. dependence on foreign oil is a travesty. Therefore, I will support an energy plan that calls for immediately increasing usage of all domestic resources, including nuclear energy, natural gas, and coal as necessary. And as Lou Rockwell comments on this, he says, and this is from LouRockwell.com's blog, says, what's wrong with imported oil or imported anything else? This is just protectionist anti-Muslimism and a long-time neocon goal besides. How is central planning to bring about the politically correct use of various forms of energy? Or how is central planning going to bring about uh, two strange sentences? How is central planning to bring about the politically correct use of various forms of energy? 
And I, you know, I'm all in favor of allowing people to do things like nuclear energy and whatever other energy things they want to do. In fact, one of the biggest problems we have with the uh, the power situation in this country, one of the reasons why uh, the power grid in many places just drops out. California had rolling blackouts and probably will again. Uh, the reasons those things happen are because governments are heavily involved in the power business. It's governments that are that are mandating that there only be one power company in any given area, which means there's very little incentive to compete. There's very little incentive to innovate. Plus, you've also got federal regulations and state regulations that prevent things like building of new nuclear facilities. So even though nuclear power is is safe these days, it's not risky like it as risky as it was uh, back in you know the days of Chernobyl, for instance, uh, which also was a government operation. A communist government operation so that should explain to you well, why they don't do it right yeah they definitely didn't do it right <laughs> i mean it's just not as safe as no power at all but then again the when they were bringing the railroads across the country the naysayers said that there was no way the human body could withstand speeds of 25 <laughs> miles per hour we'd fly apart yeah, so so nuclear power totally safe these days, but they're prohibited from building new nuclear facilities. So you can't uh, really scale up very efficiently to new demands for power. And so because you've got the problem with the monopolies that have been government gr- government granted, and also the protectionism against uh, against nuclear facilities, you've got a real issue where basically. This country stuck in the dark ages of the 1970s as far as power is concerned because a, a nuclear facility has not been able to be built here since then, from my understanding. And if you try to, like, wire things up on your own that touch the uh, the grid in a way that they deem unfit, they're trying to take you to prison. That's what they're trying to do to somebody here in uh, New mm-hmm. Hampshire right now because he hooked up somebody's generator and I guess some, uh, they made a mistake. It was backfeeding, so, but there are hundreds years. of cases. Right. It's crazy. Uh, let's continue, though. Uh, so that's not the most objectionable, certainly, of the of the five pledges, because I'm all in favor of people buying whatever products from wherever they want to. Number four, I believe in the sovereignty and security of our country and will therefore support measures to close our borders. Definitely not libertarian. Yeah, that's uh, that's a big one as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but there's more. Libertarian stance. I'm not even done with it. Uh, close our borders except for designated immigration points so we will know who is entering and why. And I will vehemently oppose any measure giving another country, the United Nations, or any other entity power over U.S. citizens. Okay, the last part. Okay, yeah, I don't have any. That's fine. Right. I don't see how one of those is uh, related to the other. But I don't think citizens really exist, of course, because, well, the definition of a citizen is one who owes a duty of allegiance in return for an obligation of protection, and the federal and state governments have ruled again and again that they have no obligation to do anything for you. Listen, the, the immigration issue, the people who are against the immigration, they, I'd like to think they aren't against other people coming here, but clearly some no, I'm not don't. I, I, let me take that, uh, that side. I'm not, in fa- I'm not against immigration. I'm all in favor of that. They just got to follow the rules. I think it's the services that are available to be taken advantage of. If you take those away, if you don't offer that you care, you gotta have rules. You can, you can take you can take the, the the welfare. I know what you're saying. You can take the welfare away, they won't come here for that. But you gotta follow the rules, Josh. You got rules for a reason. We can't just have people coming on in here. We we don't have a lot of room in this here country. Should I jump in for it's you? Over, there's, pl- there's plenty of room in America. Go to Nebraska. No, it's overpopulated. You got to have fields in Nebraska. There's no room there. Listen, there are ta- there are townships 
in northern Maine that don't even have names. They have numbers. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, there are places where the town there. will, in fact, give you the house as long as you just start paying taxes on it. Pretty much. You right. overcrowded my butt. Ain't no Mexicans going to go live up in northern Maine, all right? There's plenty of Mexicans up there. Now, the fact in that northern they northern Maine. They do. Sure. That's news to me. Well, you Saskatchewan. haven't been to northern Maine. <laughs> Uh, Look, um, the the fact is, the, the the argument that one has to follow rules because rules exist is a fallacious argument because um, you know the rules exist for a reason. But well, I um, that's because the the rules exist because some bureaucrat managed to get those rules passed through. It's because you can't you just can't have an open forum. You can't have a free for all. That doesn't that's uh, that's that doesn't address the issue of how the rules got in place. Somebody has to decide. Who can come from Zambia and who can come from Australia? Then why can't who, that person be me? Well, you could just run for office and you can get up in there. Well, I don't want to run for office. I just want people to be able to come to this country freely if they want to work and support their families. Well, man, that, that sounds good on the front, but I mean, you just can't be having people coming here like that. You sound like you collect Social Security, do you? <laughs> Are you a welfare recipient? Toll free Did number. Did you send your kids to public school? <laughs> 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. The fifth pledge. We'll find out what that is in moments. It's Free Talk Live. Listen up for something free from Ruger. From now until the end of the year, buy any new Ruger bolt-action rifle and receive a free Ruger-branded Carhartt jacket, both made in America. For more information, go to Ruger.com slash Carhartt. That's Ruger.com slash C-A-R-H-A-R-T-T. Ruger rifles are known for their rugged reliability, handsome style, unique design features, and represent the best value in rifles. Go to Ruger.com and check out a Ruger rifle today. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. Josh. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations around the country, and bring more Internet listeners on board with the ideas of freedom. In fact, uh, we just hit the 58 affiliate mark this past weekend because... <laughs> that pivotal 58 affiliate mark. And every new uh, affiliate is important to me. And I agree, absolutely. I'm so glad that they're coming on board, and it's the Free Talk Live amplifiers that are making it possible. It's the weeknight ones that I really love the best, though. They're the trickier ones to get, that's for sure. Uh, but we did get a, a brand new one in Aberdeen, Washington. Uh, KBKW is uh, joining us, and they're an AM and an FM, which is always nice to get two in one. So uh, Free Talk Live amplifiers, uh, you can join up and get perks like access to the Amp Only call-in lines, chat room, forum, the Amp Only podcast, and more at amp.freetalklive.com. Went, went uh, shopping, grocery shopping today with the wife and uh, brought my Tota sacks with me, hooked it right on my back pocket. Grab, put all the, uh, the the groceries on these two tota sacks and uh, took them out to the car, t- put them in there, put a little twist, and it was just it's just so much easier than uh, bringing a shopping cart out and, and all that hassle and then carrying them in. It's it's just so much easier. Tota sack. You can go see what I'm talking about. It's a 100% recycled uh, handle made uh, right here in the United States, and you can go to totasak.com and uh, pick up a family pack today. As a matter of fact, they've got a Christmas special going. Buy another family pack, and they'll ship it anywhere you want for free. Totasac.com. 
So we're talking about the poser libertarian Glenn Beck, who eh, maybe he has taken a few steps in the right direction. He should be praised where praise is uh, is due and given credit where credit is due. But he also needs to be pointed out where he's uh, just dead wrong and very, very unlibertarian. And in many cases, these five pledges that he's asking people to sign, I guess, people that listen to his show, are in no way or in very, very few ways libertarian, especially the one where it says that he is in, in favor of supporting Closing the borders, except for designated points where they'll know who's entering and why. So essentially he's calling for a total police state, because that's what you'll have to have in order to control immigration, in the same way that you have to have a police state to control drugs. Because, well, first of all, drugs haven't been controlled. It's just an illusion that drugs are being controlled. They can't even keep drugs out of their own prison. So anybody that thinks that even if they build a Great Wall of America on the southern border, that's going to keep people out... That's not necessarily the case. As long as opportunities are better in America than they are where the people are coming from, people will come here and they will find a way to do it. Right. Now, and you can't keep to, people out by but, making it a total police state and making it absolutely hell and killing the economy. That will keep people away. But a, a good example as to why it is that a big, a big wall isn't going to help is there's a giant moat between us and China, but that's the second uh, most, uh, you know, the second largest <laughs> country that people sneak here from. They want here really, really bad. And you can either have a free country or you can control immigration. You can't have both. It's true. If people really want to get here, they'll get here in an old refrigerator with a spatula if that's all they have. We'll find a way. Absolutely. Let's uh, continue with the number five, and then we'll go right back to your phone calls here. Uh, number five on the five pledges. I believe the United States of America is the greatest country on earth and therefore will not apologize for policies or actions which have served to free more and feed more people around the world than any other nation on the planet. Well, um, I think that if you uh, free more and feed more people at the expense of other people that there is something to apologize for. So nope, if, nope. Can't apologize. It doesn't matter how many If I go into a grocery store... Cap a couple of people in the head, take all the food and go <laughs> and go feed six kids. I have not done something worthy of sainthood, and I darn sure should apologize, Mr. Beck. Uh, according to Lou Rockwell's comments here, I think it's worth uh, sharing. He says, no revisionism or current and future wars of empire. Every city bombed, every person maimed or killed, every tax levied, every bureaucracy established, every merchant of death enriched by the greatest government on earth, divinely inspired like its constitution is to be heralded with hosannas. No apologies from Glenn Beck for all of the violence committed upon Well, Glenn Beck's a warmonger and, a, uh, and an immigrant hater. And a police that, status. Uh, is, yeah. you know, or an illegal immigrant, so-called illegal immigrant hater, whatever. Um, I, you know, I, that much I expect. He doesn't love freedom, that's for damn sure. He doesn't, probably doesn't really understand freedom very well. No, he well. clearly doesn't, and that's why I wanted to share this with you tonight here. In case anybody had an illusion that this guy is, uh, is a libertarian. Let's go to Matt in, I believe, Illinois. Matt, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Josh, and Mark. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Your amp line's not working, or you're not answering it. I cannot answer uh, what that would be. I, I, certainly, I was stepped away uh, during the break, so if you call during the break, that might explain it. It's been ringing for, uh, I've, been, I've been trying to get a hold of you since 7 o'clock. Okay, I'll test right, it out. I'll test it out next break. Thanks for the heads up. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to say something about Glenn Beck, but uh, before I say that, um, I wanted to point out that when you, when you're talking about the when you were talking about the guys, the, uh, the the coal miners 
uh, in Colorado back in the 20s. Uh, it was actually West Virginia, but if there's one in Colorado I didn't know about, please call oh. me in. Oh, okay. I was, ta- I was talking uh, about the, the Mayflon one in, mines. The one in Colorado my, my, was the one that my grandfather was involved with, and uh, that happened back in uh, the early 1900s. Uh, and they used, they, they didn't use Pinkertons, they used militias, state militias, to break up those unions. Oh, that's terrible. And, and uh, so, that, you were talking about Pinkertons, but, but my, the, the example that, or that, when that happened, that was, you know, that was the state that was, that was uh, engaging in all that violence. No shortage of the state engaging in violence. <laughs> no, not at all. Um. But does that mean, Matt, that just because it was the state that something similar couldn't possibly happen, wherein it wasn't the state that was doing the violence? It would, it, it would cost them more. The reason, it, that was, um, in Colorado, it was uh, Rockefeller uh, who, who owned all these, all these mines. He was trying to corner the market in coal. He never did, but he was trying. And uh, he was able to buy the militias much, much cheaper than he could have ever bought the private the private forces for. Uh, because when you when you when you buy a government force like that, basically you just have to pay off a couple of the uh, bigwigs that are in control. Whereas when you're paying mercenaries, you have to pay each and every mercenary that you hire. And That's a great point. If you if you grease the palms of the right decision makers, the right politicians, then they will extract money from the entire population in order to get you the protections that you're looking for. Exactly, and so it's it's, it's a lot cheaper for the rich to take uh, take control of the uh, wheels of state, so to speak, than it is for them to take control of the private. Uh, police forces that right. might grow up in a private industry, in a private, um, in a free market economy. And because of that, uh, the cost factor, they're very disincentivized from doing any sort of aggressive actions against people. Because once people start defending themselves against, I mean, it's, it's enough to to hire people to go and and do violence for you, but it costs you. It'll start costing you more as those people start dying on you. And the next guys that want to come on, the, the next guys you'll want to hire will have heard that uh, your last crew got slaughtered by those folks that de- decided to defend themselves, and they're going to charge more for their services. Somehow, that's exactly, that's, that's exactly what happened. Uh, the 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 people that they were fighting were were immigrants from uh, uh, Eastern Europe, and a lot of them went out and were able to get themselves guns and. Started killing people, and the the uh, the war it was, it was actually quite bloody. I don't know, uh, several dozens of people died on on both sides, and um, that's one of the reasons why the uh, Rockefeller was never able to consolidate and uh, and get the, the monopoly that he wanted to get on coal. So, so well, that is exactly what happened. I, I, I would point out that uh, before you know, the, the kings of Europe managed; they had honest money, which is gold and silver, because they wouldn't accept fiat currency from each other. Um, uh, you know, just stuff written on paper. So they managed to fight wars amongst themselves. Um, certainly, their population was uh, were their slaves, but you know, it, you can still fight wars on uh, honest on honest money. Matt, did you want to share anything else with us tonight? Uh, yeah. I was looking, I've been looking into uh, Glenn Beck, and it's interesting to note, he, he works for Rupert Murdoch, uh, uh, a R- a Rupert Murdoch's company. News Corp. And Rupert Murdoch, uh, according to Wikipedia, self-describes himself as a libertarian, <laughs> which, I, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Rupert Murdoch has this tendency to support um, 
the the power that be or the Absolutely. power that looks like it's it's going to yeah well it's you know his history is is one of doing that so he'll flip flop so maybe that's just good business for him that's what it sounds and like it, to me it's interesting to know well, if you're going to be in the media you want to be on the side that's winning i suppose thank you matt for your thoughts tonight i appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231 that's the SACL cai toll free line now josh you mentioned uh, that you wanted to talk about landmines here tonight apparently there was a treaty and the Obama administration was given the opportunity to sign it. We'll well, find it's, out what it's, it's, a, it's an old treaty, but still not joining. Uh, the toll-free number is 800-259-9231. You can bring up what you want. Hour number three is coming up to control of the airwaves. It's Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? <sighs> not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial in toll-free as we launch here into the third hour of the program. The number is 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. As we continue here, we will take your calls about whatever you want uh, back to a little more international news. Josh, you had a story about landmines. Apparently, there's an, a, a fairly old treaty where some countries, the government people, have agreed to no longer utilize landmines. And the Obama administration has decided to not uh, participate, not do anything about it. All right. So, President, this is from Reuters. President Barack Obama has no plans to join a global treaty banning landmines because a policy review found the United States could not meet its security commitments without them, State Department said on Tuesday. This administration undertook a Meaning, policy... Wait, wait, wait. That means that we need these so we can blow people to chunks in other countries, is what they're saying, right? Because Pretty much. They're, they're not they're, planning them around the United States. Exactly. Yes. So the, the administration undertook a policy review, and we decided that our landmine policy remains in effect. Spokesman Ian Kelly told a briefing five days before a review conference in uh, Cartagena, Colombia, on the 10-year-old mine ban treaty. We determined that we would not be able to meet our national defense needs, nor our security <laughs> commitments to our friends and allies if we signed this convention, he said. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't want them defending me. First of all, I don't want them at all. But if they're going to exist, I don't want them defending me by planting landmines around my Think home. Think about that. National defense, landmine. Doesn't seem like it's compatible, really. Domestic defense, landmine. 
Mm. Yeah, landmines pretty much have to be, uh, almost have to be put in in enemy territory. Yeah. I mean, I I suppose you could, you know, put them in some kind of, you know, region and really warn people about them, but, you know. You think they're going to start putting landmines around the border? I would say that 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 would be the only place that I would imagine that they would be interested in doing that. That's scary. It's very scary. So, you know, that you shouldn't be too concerned about this though, Josh, because uh they met in uh, in Illinois this past week, the past week and a half and you know they're going to solve this whole government problem. Did you hear about the content uh the Continental Congress thing? I heard briefly about it. Uh I re- We had we had William Kostrick on our show. Uh, yeah, some some friends from he, New Hampshire went, I think Rick Humboldt went. William Kostrick. I don't know who all went. of them are, but we know William Kostrick because he made a splash in the news uh, recently with a open carrying at the uh, the Obama rally up here in New Hampshire not too long ago. And he went up there for this thing, and I, I hope we'll get a chance to hear back from him on his uh, final thoughts on, on what transpired. But he, he didn't sound too enthusiastic about the entire process when we, we first talked to him. But essentially the idea is the, uh, the folks over at the We the People organization have decided they are fed up with this federal government, and they're going to do something about it. So they got together in Illinois, and the story here is from the World Net Daily, wherein modeled after the assembly of colonial leaders that formed the original governing body of the U.S., a grassroots organization has concluded a new Continental Congress that it hopes will be a catalyst for citizen action that will help return the nation to its roots. And there was a lot of nation talk and restoring the republic talk and all of these things that those of us that are of the more secession or declaration of independence kind of mindset wouldn't necessarily agree with. But, hey, you've got a whole room full of people that consider themselves liberty-oriented, and you find out that mm, not all of them are. I think that's what uh, some of the participants found out here. But they met in St. Charles, Illinois, and delegates from across the nation gathered to publicly debate the government's abuses of the Constitution and to consider practical strategies which can bring about compliance with our freedom documents, not only in government at all levels, but also in individual lives. The delegates produced articles of freedom, which assert that the time has come to reassert our God-given natural rights and cast off tyranny. That sounds good, right? I like that. Let the facts reveal, they say. The federal government of the United States of America, which was instituted to protect the rights of individual citizens, instead threatens our life, liberty, and property through usurpations of the Constitution and emboldened by our own lack of responsibility and due diligence in these matters, has exceeded its mandate and abandoned those founding principles which have made our nation exceptional. It's sounding good so far. I mean, I don't generally believe in the concept of a nation. I think it's just a, you know, just a fantasy personally. But nonetheless, I see where they're coming from, and it it makes sense. The organizers emphasize their grassroots proceedings are not a constitutional convention, which the delegates strongly oppose. Apparently, because according to them, it would only serve to limit our unalienable rights. How would that be exactly? If you had a constitutional convention. Oh, I see. That means if it's the federal government guys having it, right? If if it's the federal government that well, decides to have a convention on the Constitution, then they'll rewrite the whole thing and they'll limit people's freedoms more. Right. right? I mean, I don't think that you can uh, legitimately – I don't think that they feel that you can legitimately rewrite the Constitution without uh, you know, people being able to elect folks and things like that. I think that this is – you know, the Continental Congress is sort of the, the the system that the founding fathers went about beforehand, and so they're they're trying to retrace those steps, and in, in hopes that uh, 
I guess that uh, it'll send a message to the federal government or something. So the Congress passed a number of resolutions, including measures against the income tax. That's good. Recognizing it as unconstitutional and against federal gun control legislation. The organizers who state that they seek to legally end certain violations of the federal constitution said their next step. Are you ready for this? Now, this is their next step. This is an organization, We the People. And uh, we've been following them for a little while. We've had Bob Schultz, the uh, organization's uh, head president guy, on the show before. I tend to be very sympathetic towards the organization. I I used to pay close attention to their emails until they started going off on an anti-immigrant kick, and then I unsubscribed, and I haven't really been... Actually, I tried to unsubscribe, and they couldn't figure out how to unsubscribe me, so they've got some real problems uh, within their organization. So actually, I think I am still receiving their emails. But nonetheless, uh, this is an organization who, over the years, has come up with questions that they've had for the federal government about things like the income tax, things like the war in Iraq, other unconstitutional things that the federal government is doing. And they've asked the federal government people these questions over and over again. They've gone to the IRS. They've asked them the questions. They've been ignored. Individually, the members of this organization have sent their questions to these government agencies. They've been ignored. They got together in Washington, D.C., sent copies, hand-delivered copies of all of their questions to every one of the so-called representatives in in D.C. and the heads of the various different bureaucracies and gave them a certain day and time at which they could come and respond to these questions, and they were completely ignored. They then filed uh, lawsuits, and they went all the way up to the Supreme Court, where the Supreme Court upheld a lower court's decision. They refused to look at the case, therefore upholding that lower court's decision that essentially found that the right to redress, uh, which is found in the First Amendment, the First Amendment of the Constitution's Bill of Rights, it's one of the less known portions of the First Amendment that you have the right to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. And the right to own a pet. That one's not in there, but uh, <laughs> but just because it's not in there doesn't mean you don't have that right. Uh, but in the case of the petitioning for a uh, redress of grievances, the federal court found that that means that you guys can send us your questions, but we don't have to answer them. You can send us your petitions, and that's your petition. We don't have to say anything about it. Federal government doesn't have to actually do anything with your petitions. We can just toss them in the garbage and, you know, you've petitioned us. Congratulations. And so that's what the Supreme Court backed up. And so Bob Schultz, the uh, the guy who's in charge of this organization, is very frustrated by this because he's a man of the law, right? He's a man who believes that he's a law-abiding citizen and all of this, you know, mantra uh, that uh, that he needs to go through all the legal channels that he can possibly go through before considering something, you know, radical like disobedience. Uh, so that's what he was trying to do with going to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court kicked it back in their faces, and so instead of going to civil disobedience, they decided to call this Consti- Continental Congress. Well, together. actually, he tried civil disobedience. Um, he did. He did attempt it. He was going to go and do a hunger strike on the steps of the Capitol or something like that. One of these places, one of these government places of, of the thieves' dens. They were going to have a large hunger strike. It wasn't just going to be him. It was going to be uh, several people. And the, uh, the the Federal Parks Administration or whatever said that... Uh, Where's your permit? Right, no, no, they said, we will not issue you a permit, so they didn't do it. I thought they actually went and did some sort of event, and then were told that, uh, well, since they didn't have a permit... That... Anyway, it was something like that, wherein uh, they were prevented from doing their big thing that they'd planned because, well, they were trying to follow the rules. 
and if you follow the government's rules, you'll never be allowed to change anything significant. They don't want you to change anything. Of course not. So what is their next step? We'll find out in moments. This is Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it is Ian with you. Josh and Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free on the site, so enjoy those on us. And the features uh, apparently don't include the listen lines because apparently they are down. So I gave out the numbers tonight and found out they weren't working. Uh, but the amp lines are back online. We were having problems with those, but Free Talk Live amplifiers can now get back through on the amp lines. And if you don't know what the amp line numbers are, oh, well, you'll have to become an amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies, that's what the readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided with the detailed real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship that we all have with coercive governments. FreedomsPhoenix.com offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. Go now to FreedomsPhoenix.com and sign up for their free daily dispatch. I use it for show prep every day. FreedomsPhoenix.com. So what is the next step for the We the People organization? We the People has been for a long, long time trying to get just answers out of the federal government. Now, to their credit, they did have something they that, um, and I think it's still going on, that allowed people to essentially step up and say, you know what, I think this federal government is out of control, and until they answer these questions that we're asking them about the, you know, the war in Iraq and the income tax and things like that, until they actually answer these questions, I'm going to withhold my income tax or the income tax payments. And it's my understanding there were several thousand people that, that signed on to that. So I think that's a pretty powerful thing that, that they've done. Absolutely. I, I don't know where that stands today currently. I, I well, they haven't, addressed, they haven't addressed the issues, so I imagine those people aren't paying. Are still not paying, but right. these, these are dedicated people that I, I have a lot of uh, sympathy for, um, their, their stand on things. I, you know, I don't agree with everything that the group has done, and but I, I, I think that it does take people to stop, stop paying their taxes in order to, uh, you know, send a message. And that's what I'd like to hear more. And of. I haven't heard of a single one of them being brought up on charges based I, on. I it. have not either. Um, most people that don't pay taxes are never brought. I mean, most people are never brought up on charges that don't pay taxes. Uh, but what is the next step? I mean, if if it's not, they, they haven't been getting their questions answered. They've tried questioning the federal government in so many different ways over so many different years. The whole not paying income tax thing sounds good. Maybe they could expand that. Uh, maybe they could encourage other people to join. Well, according to the story at the World Net Daily, the next step is a 14-year process by citizens to hold their state and federal elected officials accountable to the federal constitution. 14 years? I'm hoping that's a misprint. 
14 years, Bob Schultz is probably not going to be uh, alive in 14 years. Well, uh, I mean, <laughs> he's he's a man of uh, you know a principle that wants to uh, you know have a legacy. I, 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 14 years? Do you think that we're going to have freedom here in New Hampshire in 14 years? I can tell you we'll have more uh, freedom than they will at the federal level here in New Hampshire. That's in what you, you're making an assessment, a guess. I concur with your guess. However, um, I don't think that 14 years is uh, you know too long of a uh, of a process to get from here to what one considers liberty. Uh, yeah, I see where you're coming from, Mark, but it doesn't sound very, oh, I don't know, optimistic. <laughs> it doesn't have a lot of sizzle. I think liberty in your lifetime does have more, which is the uh, tagline for the, the Free State Project. So they say they have exhausted their administrative and judicial remedies and now wish to exhaust their constitutional remedies as guaranteed by the Declaration of Independence and the Accountability Clause of the First Amendment. They declare that when the people are up against unjust and uncivil government and laws, they're entitled to reform they will achieve it if they are proactive, nonviolent, and have a mass movement. I agree with all that. Yeah. Nonviolent? Yes, please. Keep it peaceful because getting violent is only going to encourage them. Getting violent will only encourage the uh, the sickos in the the various different governments to crack down even harder and become more dangerous and more violent toward us. Uh, and then the story goes on to say that charging the government has violated their tax, money, war, general welfare, privacy, and other clauses. They posted petitions for redress on various different issues, including the income tax and the Federal Reserve and illegal immigration, which I'm sure was a uh, a hot debate from what I heard oh, uh, yes. about what was going on there, because I personally don't think humans can be illegal. Anyway, the organizers emphasize the Constitution affords citizens much more than the right to merely send complaints to the government, which are usually ignored. They state the right of petition embodies the profound right to enforce the right of petition by withdrawing from the support from the government until redress is secured. The Continental Congress sought to take the process of holding government accountable and restoring the Constitution to the next level by first creating a formal record of the vast violations of the Constitution and individual rights now suffered by the people. The members debated and decided on a series of practical civic actions that citizens can undertake to restore their liberty. The Assembly adopted, for example, formal remedial instructions to be served on federal and state officials, ordering them to cease and desist their official abuses and giving them formal notice as to the civil actions of peaceful resistance that people can carry out if their petitions are ignored, which they will be. Uh, You can't just give something that orders a federal or state government person to do anything. Uh, But I'd like to know more about the civic actions, personally. And this is is code for civil disobedience. That's my understanding. Uh, According to uh, William Kostrick, who was actually at the event as one of the delegates, he had to they had to use the term civic action to kind of coat the idea of civil disobedience for the more kind of traditional law abiding type uh, conservative types that might have been there. So I'm, I'm very curious as to what exactly they came up with. And if you were there and you can explain to uh, to me what the proposed civic actions are, because they're not going to take the civic actions yet. They're going to go through the process of petitioning again and. And b- delivering more questions and things like that to various different government bureaucrats in the hope that they'll get some sort of answers out of these people. I don't people. know that, um, you know, these people are big, big constitutionalists, and I don't know that the state governments have any obligation to follow the federal uh, government's constitution. I mean, there's there's not a lot of evidence from historically, um, you know, many many of the states did had state religions upon sl- signing the uh, the const- you know ratifying the constitution. It's only you know the the freedom of religion really only applies to the 
federal government, not the state government. So I, if, if these people are real reliant on the Constitution, then the Constitution doesn't, doesn't, as I understand it, require a state government to do anything. Their own constitutions, perhaps, but not, uh, not the federal Constitution. That's as I heard the, the story here and, and as I understand it. I don't I I don't see a heck of a lot of uh to me this doesn't sound like a solution. All I'm concerned with is whether or not it's going to take 14 years to get to the civic action thing. <laughs> like civic action sounds good. I don't think you can hold somebody 14 years from now to civic action if you if all you said you're going to do is we're going to talk to some more bureaucrats and ask them to stop doing what they're doing i don't think that 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 doesn't it, it that does not uh obligate me 14 years from now to do anything you're saying that the they're people saying that, are... that 14 years from now they're going to do civil disobedience i don't know if that's nobody, what they're saying nobody there but well if that is what they're yeah. saying then nobody in, even in that room is obligated to do one single bit of civil disobedience 14 years from now because it's too far away it just it, yeah. it, there's, there's no obligation there that's i, not think, gonna, I uh, think it's going to happen much sooner than that civil disobedience oh yeah i hope so especially from the new hampshire delegation the toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Were you at the Continental Congress? Can you give us the inside scoop as to what happened uh, from your perspective? You can bring up whatever you want as well. Take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. Coming up, six horrific lessons from school. We'll find out what that's all about. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. Josh. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us, including the bulletin board system with over 500,000 posts created by listeners like you. Head over to bbs.freetalklive.com. Get interactive for free. It's bbs.freetalklive.com. If you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, SACL CAI, our main sponsor, does collections, early out billing. They purchase charged-off receivables. They handle all kinds of accounts, accounts receivable for your business so that you can get about the business of doing what it is that you wanted to do when you got into business. You didn't want to handle bills. SACL does. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. All right, uh, we continue here. You can bring up whatever you want. Uh, in that absence, we will bring up things that might be interesting to you, like six. Mark, you have six things to tell us about here, six horrific lessons, the most horrific lessons that were ever taught in school. Is that right? Uh, well, this is this is from Cracked, and I do love Cracked.com. Um, I don't know that they're libertarians over there, but they sure point out how idiotic the state is on a regular basis. All right. And um, I'm not 100% sure that all these circumstances uh, – happened in in government school and every single one of them i haven't i haven't got our crack research team in quantico to uh to cover each one of these <laughs> yeah. stories but um i would be willing to bet just because statistically most kids go to, to government, government schools <laughs> as a society we put an incredible amount of trust in our teachers they're alone with our kids for most of the day As a matter of fact the teacher spends more time with kids than mo- the parents do by and large more waking time yeah, yeah. And what they teach them will shape their worldview. The potential for things to go wrong is enormous. And as you suspect, there are things often go enormously wrong. Now, 
point of information, just as uh, since they mentioned this, that teachers shape kids' worldview, it's absolutely the truth. That should be reason number one to not send your kids to government school. Because you don't know what the worldview of the teachers are, do you? How many parents actually spend the time to get to know teachers at government schools before they feel comfortable with allowing their kids to, uh, you know, to, to attend there? Well, they have the parent-teacher conferences. They have those. What if your parents aren't interested in going? Well, that's the parent-teacher conference is just a little thing where they bring all the parents together, usually into one uh, one class, and they say, okay, here's what we're going to teach the kids, and you know, they just kind of gloss over uh, everything. They don't necessarily get into their philosophy or their belief system or anything like that. Uh, and you can guarantee that in a government school system, the, the odds are much higher that you're going to be dealing, dealing with status teachers. Mm, quick interjection there. I threw away one of those parent-teacher conference slips in the third grade because my parents had no interest in going. And I had a teacher, I'm in the third grade, mind you, nine years old, grab me, start shaking me by the shoulders, and you know what she said to me? If I could kill a kid, you know it would be you, right? Oh, my God. That's scary. All right, Mark, continue this. Moving on. (laughs) I'm a little little shocked by what I hear here. Um, So the... uh, it's, uh, you know, I, what I was wanting to point out is that teachers aren't held responsible in the area of uh, public schools. They don't have to. You know, they've, they've got their um, unions to protect them from uh, responsibility. So, irresponsible or downright crazy teachers wind up teaching kids lessons we'd rather they kept themselves. Number six, at East Iberville Elementary School in Louisiana, they don't take crap from little kids, literally. So when a seven-year-old boy managed to clog up the toilet at his school, his teacher did the only rational thing she could think of. She made him unclog it with his bare hands. It started oh, wow. to It started when uh, little Trevor <laughs> ate too many Pop-Tarts for breakfast, feeling that he uh, the need oh, no. to take care of business. He asked to go to the bathroom and, in his own words, made the toilet overflow with uh, toilet paper and poo. Oh, boy. Such a feat by a seven-year-old is something we at Cracked actually find fairly impressive and deserving of <laughs> proper respect. <laughs> RateMyPoo.com. His, uh, oh, that's so awful. His teacher, however, failed to recognize his achievement in its proper light and wanted to punish him. Either that or she had the fear of plungers or something. <laughs> and because the sight of a crying seven-year-old elbow deep in a toilet isn't sad enough, she threatened to make him use his teeth the next time. Afterwards, yeah. she encouraged her class to taunt the boy, calling him sissy hands, which must be some kind of <laughs> de- devastating slam in Louisiana since crap hands was such so much more appropriate for the situation. <laughs> you could laugh, uh, Josh. You don't have to, yeah, put, you don't have to uh, mute your mic to laugh. Not on this one. <laughs> not ever. Yeah. Sissy hands. It turns... <laughs> that's what the uh, school said after the police arrested her and charged her with juvenile cruelty, at least. Um, wow. Yeah. After the arrest, the uh, school had to close down the other alternative programs, including the home economics uh, sweatshop and the preschool coal mine. We're glad to hear... That's a joke, folks. Yes. Uh, we're glad to hear that at least one school board member wanted to fire the teacher. The other boards apparently were on... The, the board members were on the fence, and maybe that's because they she didn't actually follow through with the whole teeth thing. So... You know, that one, that story kind of reminds me of other stories we've heard about, and they're probably a little more commonplace... But I think they're almost as disturbing, and that is the the teacher, the type of teacher that is such a control freak that they won't allow a student, particularly an elementary schooler, to go to the bathroom, to actually leave their chair during class time or during a test or something like that and exit the class to go to the bathroom. You need permission and the hall pass. 
Or still hang around your neck like some sort of albatross. It's kind of ridiculous. Thank goodness that when I was in uh, elementary school, we didn't have hall passes. But uh, but nonetheless, they do have those today. And if if the teacher decides that it's just off limits, you won't get permission in the first place. And I was there when a girl peed her pants and then peed the seat that she was sitting in because she wasn't allowed to get up and go to the bathroom. And I wonder, is that juvenile cruelty as well? It's the final greatest form of civil disobedience uh, for kids that aren't allowed to use the bathroom. Yeah. What, what, pee, yeah. what, what, what about the sixth, seventh, eighth grade girls that are just have their first surprise period? They just need to get up and go. Oh boy, How do you explain that one without embarrassing yourself? Come on. It's an awful situation, and I just wonder, this woman in this case that you're talking about, Mark, was charged with some sort of juvenile cruelty thing. I don't think the teacher that uh, that forced that little girl in second grade to, to pee in her seat was charged with anything. She was still there the next day and the next week and the next rest of the year. Oh, I'm sure not. Um, you know, it's not uncommon to have potty accidents in, in classrooms, especially the younger That's grades. That's a potty purpose, in my in my opinion. They, they, I, she forced that girl to stay right. there. See, so there's, I, I, I get the issue on both sides on this one. Um, I can understand that some kids uh, do use the bathroom in order to get out of doing certain activities. I remember um, there was a particular activity in second grade. We had these uh, these these reading books that we we had to read, and it was it was sort of it, it wasn't classroom. It was basically sit down and 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 you know quiet time. You had to read and and be quiet. And I I don't know what the teacher did at the time, but you were not allowed to use the bathroom during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the you know, they it, it it caused problems. I can tell you. Here's what happened to me. Right, um, in second grade, I I needed to use the bathroom during that time. And I I got up one time. I did it, and they she left a note that said, "No using the bathroom during this time." Second time, um, it happened. Well, I needed to use the bathroom, and it just turned out I farted in the middle of class. And then she dude came over, yanked me up by my arms stood me up on my desk and yelled at me uh, about going to use the bathroom if I need to use the bathroom right in the middle after she had written this note. <laughs> what? In fifth grade, we had a the teacher, like, she yelled at the smelly kid in class for being the smelly kid in class. Oh, wow. I, I, that, that... <laughs> That's humiliating. It, it's yeah, it's humiliating, and I I don't know. I mean, how do you deal with the smelly kid? I don't know. I a lot of these Scream teachers have at a lot him of to go issues. home and take a shower and ask him what the hell is wrong with him. Let's talk to. Uh, we're going to take a break here. I know there's five more of these things, but Joe's on the line in Illinois, and you're on Free Talk Live. Joe, what's on your mind tonight? Hi, it's so great to talk to you guys. Uh, you guys are awesome. What's on your mind Thanks. tonight, Joe? Well, I, I just wanted to bring up. Uh, have, have you guys heard about this uh, this latest scandal with the uh, anthropogenic global warming crowd? Yes, yes. The, uh, the hacker, some hacker cracked into a particular university that was receiving government funds to do climate research, and basically found out that they were scamming. Uh, they were making crap up. They were falsifying information and ba- basically trying to make it look like. This whole global climate change thing was actually some sort of human-caused phenomenon when, in point of fact, it uh, has likely more to do with the sun. Yes, that's exactly right. And, and this, is, this is like probably about the 15th time that I can remember they've been caught engaged in some kind of fraud. And I, I just wow. think it's so important for the uh, liberty community, libertarians, uh, any, anybody who cherishes their freedom to fight this myth with everything they've got because... Uh, we can't let it become embedded in people's consciousness. That and I don't real. think it is. Most people, I think, don't believe it. Thank you for the call. We're coming up. Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Boost Kid Essentials. 
the nutritionally complete drink with 25 essential vitamins and minerals and probiotics to help support your child's healthy growth. Visit us at kidessentials.com. Calling certain foods bad or good doesn't go very far in helping kids understand about balanced diets. Discuss the powers of foods. Carrots are good for your eyes. Fish keeps your heart strong. And how they work together to help kids grow, and they'll remember it even better. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Enough time for your call if you make it now to 1-800-259-9231. The number brought to you by SACL CAI. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. And if you enjoy this program, please vote for us in the podcast awards. We need your votes, and we need them every day from now until the very end of the month. On the, I think the 30th is the last day for this, so you've got uh, another five days or so uh, where you can vote for Free Talk Live at podcastawards.com. You just scroll down the page, find the political category. That's where we've been nominated, thanks to listeners like you, for nominating us. Uh, now we need your vote. So select Free Talk Live, scroll down, fill out your name and your email address. You'll likely be email verified to make sure you're not some sort of robot, uh, you're a real human being that's voting. And that's it. That's all you need to do for today. And then hopefully you'll do it tomorrow and the next day and all the way through the 30th. So go to podcastawards.com because with your help, we can be the only podcast to uh, have ever, a radio show slash podcast, to have ever won five awards, podcast awards in a row. But you are the only one that can make this possible for us. So please go to podcastawards.com and vote for Free Talk Live in the political category. As we continue, uh, Mark, you're sharing with us from crack.com six horrific lessons Six of the most horrific lessons that were ever taught at school. First one was a kid that had uh, was forced by his teacher to pull his excrement from a toilet drain with his hands. Yep. Let's go to number five. They say experience is the best teacher. Hands-on lessons are easy things for um, easy for things like learning to draw a picture of a turkey by tracing your hand, but harder for subjects like history. This didn't stop teachers at a Apopka Memorial Middle School That's in Florida. Florida. Yep. Who decided that it would the be Central Florida really fun to have a Holocaust Day? As oh we my learned, gosh. while researching as this, in celebrating, not remembering. While researching this article, the Florida public school definition of fun trans roughly to, uh, translates roughly to mentally scarring. As students, <laughs> students showed up on the big day, certain kids were given gold stars to wear. These students what? were supposed to be Jewish students throughout the day. They were persecuted by not being able to use certain water fountains and not allowed to sit down, you know, like just in the just like in the Holocaust. Neither the students nor their parents were told about the day because teachers said they didn't want students to be prepared for the terror and fear, well, at least annoyance and mild confusion, that was to come. Apparently, the teachers felt that you really couldn't uh, half-ass something like the Holocaust. As one boy told his dad afterward, the only thing that he really learned was he didn't want to be a Jew. Oh, gosh. <laughs> They're pretty sure that this Not is... Not a very effective teaching job there. Yeah, we're pretty sure this is the most, almost the exact opposite of what the teachers were hoping that the kids were learn, or was it? Parents were predictably upset and flooded the school with complaints. Even Jewish groups were left palming their faces and cursing silently in Yiddish. Sadly, the, all the uh, backlash from the day caused the school to cancel the master-slave role-playing exercise. <laughs> However, it went, on, it went on as planned at another school. Number four, most teachers have, the, have that voice of reason in their heads that tells them the, uh, that they're going too far with a child. 
This voice usually chimes in before they tie up the students' hands and legs with tape. That same voice probably lets them, gets them a little louder when the uh, teacher is trying to decide whether or not to stuff those students under a desk. One teacher in White Plains, New York, was apparently deaf to that voice of reason and instead chose to listen to her voice of terrible, terrible ideas. <laughs> During a uh, history class for seventh graders, the teacher was trying to impress upon her students that slavery really, really sucked. Fearing that her students wouldn't take her word for it, <laughs> she felt that the only way to really get the point across would be to take the students, um, would make the students feel what slaves went through. Just like how you need to push people off a building to show them that hitting the ground would really hurt. So she brought him out into the fields, got a man on a horse with a whip, and what happened here? I mean, I- to make things even more realistic or something, the teacher forced one student to take part in the demonstration after not getting enough volunteers. And of course, the teacher who was white, chose a black student to participate because she really wanted to make the cracked list. When when they were finally released, the student who was uh, made to pretend to be a slave decided that getting tied and stuffed under a desk was some serious bullcrap and told her parents. Wait a minute. minute. She couldn't get any volunteers to want to be the slave? So she got the black kid. Well, they got some, but not enough. Oh, okay. I was going to say, it sounds to me like the kids already get it about slavery. They don't want to volunteer for that role. When they complained to the school, the superintendent admitted that it was a bad idea if it upset the student. Uh, Yeah, we're thinking that if you have a middle school student who loves being tied up and shoved under a desk, you actually have a bigger problem on your hands, which I love Cracked. Uh, This is from Cracked.com. The six, um, six most horrific lessons ever taught in elementary school. And... They are some horrific lessons. Let's go on to number three. School is supposed to prepare kids for real life. We don't want our kids to think life is just about video games and embarrassing, ill-timed boners. Because let's face it, life is about working and taxes and the embarrassing inability to get boners when we're older. (laughs) One teacher in Plant City, Florida, felt that the current school curriculum wasn't keeping it quite real enough and decided to remind the kids that nature is one cruel Entity. It all started with the uh, birth of two cute bunny it rabbits. It didn't say entity, did it? It did not. Okay. Um, two cute bunny rabbits, and when things went downhill from there, the bunnies were Real reject- bunnies? Yeah. Okay. They were rejected by their mother, mother, who was maybe busy turning tricks to feed her carrot habit or something. Being the agricultural instructor at the school, the teacher knew that the only solution was to bury the bunnies alive. Oh, gosh. Wait, wait, what kind of school was this? <laughs> Elementary school? Yep. Okay. An incubator wouldn't have worked in a bottle? <laughs> the idea didn't sit too well with the students <laughs> wow. who, for some crazy reason, refused to kill the bunnies. Um, it was Also, she wanted, the, or the, she, he, whoever it was, the teacher wanted to force the students to actually do the burial, to actually have the, the kids. I mean, it's, it were a bad enough idea to actually bury bunnies alive in front of kids. She actually wanted them to take part. In the executions? It was at this point that teacher decided the only way these kids were going to learn about life would be to watch as she tossed the bunnies in a (laughs) hole, whacked them a couple of times with a shovel, and buried them herself, possibly while screaming, We are the bunnies, and the shovel is God. I don't know what that means. After some students uh, finished (laughs) puking and witnessing the, uh, the bunny murder, they went home and told their parents. The teacher admitted that, in hindsight, bottle feeding or pretty much any other idea, really, might have been the better choice after all. A spokesperson, depression. Yeah, a spokesperson for the school district said the school would do things differently in the future by getting release forms from the students before making them watch the inhumane killing of any more defenseless animals. Wow. Oh, I love Cracked. <laughs> Port, Port St. Lucie, Florida. 
<laughs> How many of these are in Florida? <laughs> well, it's it's Florida or Germany, dude. Okay. Uh, what's the three of our entries that are from uh, Florida? Well, <laughs> we know what's going on down there. Anyway, in yet another educational failure from the Sunshine State, a school teacher saw a room full of happy, carefree five-year-olds and their innocent laughter and cute dimpled faces and knew that she had to put a stop to that. She needed to teach them about the harsh realities of cliques and how to exclude undesirables from their social circle. So she singled out a particularly Can't unpopular. Can't learn that soon enough. Let me tell you, that's cool. <laughs> a particularly unpopular little boy decided to play a game of classroom survivor, and the other students would get to vote as to whether or not he would be kicked out of the classroom, and each student would be allowed to tell the boy just why, why they didn't like him. You're ugly. We think it was probably like an episode of Rock of Love, but your family's poor with fewer STDs. <laughs> wow! It seems that even all of um, even all of this still didn't fulfill whatever agreement she signed up with the devil. However, because there were now allegations that she actually had to rig the vote to get him tossed. That's right. In addition to prejudice and intolerance, the teacher also threw in some voter fraud into the day's <laughs> lessons plan. Because screw it, finger painting just gets boring after a while. What's number one? Homework for Thursday. Uh, design a car bomb. High school used to be simple back in the day. Some reading, writing, some arithmetic. Kids uh, today have it much harder with all with all the physics, honors, English, and planning terrorist attacks. Which brings us to a teacher in Colorado who got some got into some trouble when the uh, the creative writing assignment given to the students breached a few national security laws. If you're thinking the kids were asked to come up with a terror plot for their assignment, congratulations, you're right on. The superintendent of the school hey, that's, that's creative, man. flanked by some men in dark suit and earpieces deflected criticism afterward by basically calling the freshman class a bunch of idiots. He claimed that they misunderstood the assignment. As explained by the teacher, the assignment was to actually illustrate an act of terrorism by a foreign government on American soil. You know, by writing down the details of how the attack was carried out. Totally different. <laughs> so, that's... It. Hmm. I don't know if that last one was that that awful. It's awful to design a terrorist attack that kills and maims innocent people, Ian. Right. Yeah, I understand. I understand that. I guess. But you could do it in a fiction book, and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. So right. I, I mean, suppose. I- I spent most of my elementary days drawing pictures of tanks and army guys getting shot. Yeah, so there was I mean, there was a lot of that too. Yeah. You know, I I don't know about that one. But yeah. hey, good list uh, overall. Crack dot com. Thanks for that. What can I tell you? 800-259-9231. And if you don't like it, well, too bad. You paid for it all. Because those are probably mostly tax-funded schools that we're talking about here. And we are out of time for tonight. Uh, We will uh, rejoin you tomorrow for the live Thanksgiving Day edition of Free Talk Live. We promise that we won't eat uh, and drink too much and uh, be completely out of it for the show. But we will be here. Josh, thanks for coming in tonight. No problem. And we'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Mark Interview Series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as 3 bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com, and here's Mark. Okay, the Edgington Post interview series continues, and today I've got with me Tim Doctor. Now, Tim, you've got uh, a show on the Liberty Radio Network. Uh, Tell me about the show. Tell me about yourself. I am what I call a small L libertarian, call the ball as I see it kind of a guy. And, uh, you know, really it's, it's putting up 
the, the kind of stuff that a lot of people won't put up because they're too afraid to say it. That's why I wanted to talk tonight about politically correct culture, which I just love smashing to pieces. Okay. Tim? I'm right here with you. Okay, smash it to pieces, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> BC. We, we hear about it all the time, but can anybody define it? Nobody has given me a definition of what political correctness is, so I'm going to toss one out there. Oh, you're going to toss one out? I thought you were asking me for one. Go ahead. I'm going to, you know what? If you want to throw it at me, I'd love to hear it. We can bat it back and forth. Go uh, ahead. What I, do you think it is? I, I, I think that uh, political correctness is a, um, you know, like... Like maybe they've taken it too far, but it's basically being, you know, saying things in a nice way. That's you know what? That's remarkably close to, to what I've got in my uh, my little lexicon. Okay, we're all we're all civilized people, right? We live in a civilized culture, and none of us like to go out of our way to offend somebody. We don't want to hurt their little feelings, and so there's what I call a reverse morality that people have developed. We put away the club 10,000 years ago in theory. We're past the caveman days, and I don't take your wife or your girlfriend by a club. I don't take your money with a club. I use government. That's the new way you do it. Right. And so you get, you get this reverse morality where people have learned through time to defeat republicanism, our, our structure of government, by being weak. And they realize that, you know what, all these people don't want to hurt my feelings, so I'm going to tell them that this does, and then they'll stop talking about it. Like, we can't say the word black. There was an article in the newspaper, you know, years ago here in Grand Rapids, and they were talking about a news report where they were trying to, trying to list a, a rape victim, and they wanted to describe the person that committed the rape. And all they said was the person had a matching gym suit on and tightly, tightly woven rows of hair, cornrows. Okay. Now, if, if you're trying to point out, you know, how to find someone who may have committed a rape, White, black, red, or yellow may be important to that accusation, but they won't say it. It's very odd. We don't odd. go out and say, hey, the guy from Fort Hood is a jihadist, because that may hurt somebody's feelings. So it just gets left laying there, and no one deals with it. Well, I don't know about jihad. I think that the guy feels like um, he probably felt uh, you know, cornered, like he was you know, he's certainly a minority in his uh in his uh, you know area, I can imagine. Um, you know, he said that uh, that that the war on terror he thinks is a war on uh, Islam, and I, you know, I'm not entirely sure that it's not. Uh, you know, from the calls I get. Okay. So how do, how do you put two cultures that have a different value system together then? I don't know. Um, I, you know, that, it seems that is to, the question right there. It seems to me that you take uh, people that want to come here, um, that by and large, uh, you know, that, that they're going to ha- that they're going to have to take the the major stuff, the big the big stuff, and switch it. I don't care if you want to wear, uh, you know, f- different clothes and stuff like that. I may snicker, sure. but you can wear whatever clothes you want, and you can you can say hello and goodbye in whatever fashion you want, but. You know, um, on the on the big stuff, you've pretty much got to you, you got to agree. I can't think of what that big stuff is off the top of my head, but you know, it seems like you've got to. You need to be tolerant if they're not affecting your immediate bubble. Then leave it alone. So just just to recap, my thing is, PC is other people using your moral code against you. They know you don't want to offend anybody. Mm-hmm. So we don't, and I'm tired of that. I'm just calling it out whenever I can. He's a terrorist. The government's got this little game, Mark, because the, the politicians hate to offend anybody. That stops money from coming into them. So they don't recognize or call out anything like everyday people do. 
He's a terrorist. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. We don't know that yet. Yes, the guy's a terrorist. This is what he proclaims. He sold his stuff before he killed himself. That's the way it works. No, it's not. It's like the episode of Friends years ago. I but don't know, Tim. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to disagree. That guy is a criminal. He's not a terrorist. He's a no. He's a crazy man and a criminal. However, the government no, 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 the no, government's no. the terrorist. Crazy. The cra- he's crazy, right? Yeah. Well, why don't we send lawyers in to, to catch all the mullahs? I, I, I'm for that. That are preaching against us. I, I, I'm for arming them with butter knives and sending them in to catch the mullahs. Yes. <laughs> nice one. I'm, as far so as I'm concerned, crazy then. if these people want to fight, um, the politicians want to fight, they should have to fight with, uh, uh, you know, with, um, you know, in the gladiator style. Give them the, the little swords, the gladius that the, uh, the Romans fought with, uh, you know, armor half their body and let them fight each other. So Nadal Hassan is not a terrorist. Nadal has the government hired him. They're very good at hiring people that are called terrorists. But I think in this particular instance, you know, just crazy. Are all jihadis who want seventy-two virgins? They're just crazy. Oh, I think that those people are probably religious nuts. Yeah, I mean that sounds right to me. So we could we could put it in the court and they can use the insanity defense. Which by what the way, what is the insanity defense, Tim? What do you what what do you get out of the insanity you defense? That the lawyer is looking at that as a defense, right? I, I don't. I, I, look, look. I've been in prison. I was in prison for nine years. I can tell you, you I don't. You know that, right? Mark? I would have rather been in prison. Insanity defense. I would rather have been in prison than an insane asylum. That's not an answer, though. But so we can we can process, we can go about after people that want to kill us, like they said they want to kill us, so we can just call them crazy and leave it alone. Oh, I don't think that you should uh, let crazy people, uh, you know, do whatever the heck they want. I think that rabid well, dogs. That's what we did with Nadal Hassan, and we saw it coming. Well, I don't know that the I didn't see anything. That one's deep. I didn't see anything. You didn't see it because you were in charge of it. Well, well, you see, the problem is, though, that uh, you've got the government in charge of it, and the government's very bad at doing things, Tim. Yes, yes, so, we have found holy ground, Mark. They so, suck. So, they don't have any common interest to defend us. They so, just want to herd the sheep along. My question is, do you want to send these people to protect you? <laughs> they can't protect that's, themselves. That's a circular argument. They you won't don't sound like we need protecting. They won't hire. They won't arm their own soldiers. I mean, if those that's soldiers. That's a circular argument. If they're just crazies, then we don't need to arm ourselves to defend against them. Abs- what? Are you kidding me? Crazy people will okay, hurt so you. We do, we do need to go after them then. I don't know who we're going after. Pardon I, me? I don't know who we are going after. Jihadists? Radical Muslims? You don't know who they are, or is that a PC term I can't use? I don't. You can use whatever term you want. I don't. You. I, you know, like a, a jihad. As far as my understanding is, supposed to be a defensive war. Um, so if somebody's attacking you, but that's not what they're using it for, are they? I don't know who they are. Again, once again, if ah, somebody is coming, came right. We peek and we hide. And we don't. We don't call it out, do we? I, <laughs> Isn't this PC right here, Mark? I, I told that we you. Don't acknowledge what they want to do. I'm kind of a PC guy, Tim. I believe that if a criminal is trying to harm you or your family, that you should put a hard one right between their eyes. However, no, that I like. I don't think that you should go go running off to their country to try to ferret them out of their clay hut. Because um, I think that that doesn't do anything but create more crazy nut jobs that want to come over here and blow up our so we buildings. Just take it? What's that? We just take it. We just take 
Well, get see, there? I think that Americans um, believe that that uh, the war with Islam started on 9/11/2001, whereas I would say that it started sometime oh, around the fifties. Long, yeah, long even before that. Right. So we, we, the United States of government instituted a Shah in Iran. They probably didn't like that crap, you know. We um, are backing up the the sheiks, the 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 King Hassan, oh, I agree. We've been King all Fad. Over the world. You're you're right. You're dead on. So now we do nothing. Well, I say that we, uh, the United States government, withdraw all of its troops from all of its all the countries, all the foreign and countries, that will stop this. and then we draw them back here. And if somebody, some agent, uh, some some uh, agent of some other government comes over here in order to fight, that you know, in, then you that's mm-hmm. a war, and then you attack those people that have started a war on you. However, if individuals come over here, you treat it as a policing problem and you take care of those individuals. Because we didn't attack Saudi Arabia, who are the, at the, at the ethnicity of the people that blew up the towers, as I understand. Out of the 19, oh, I agree. It's convoluted. There's no doubt about that. But it, the uh, reason it's, it's convoluted is government and going after people. <laughs> they, they, they suck at what they do. There's no doubt about it. Here, here's the key difference that I'm picking up on, Mark, with all genuineness. I'll okay. take the snidery and the sarcasm out of my side of the fence, at least, <laughs> um, is I, I'm looking at the entire global thing, this whole issue, through the eyes of the pecking order, the animal kingdom. And everything that I see tells me that human beings always try and take down the guy that's above them. They always want to knock them down so they can take it over. The lean guy comes in, he's hungry, and he takes over the big city, and he, he knocks out the fat cats. Animal kingdom, over and over again, social status, we love that. We fight over sex and resources and social status. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I saw a quote from a 16-year-old student uh, in an interview with um, Thomas Friedman, reporting from the Middle East a number of years ago. And, and the kid goes you know, at the American University, and uh, to me it was insightful. He goes, who are you? You've been around for couple hundred years. We've been here for a thousand. Now, that's a pecking order statement to me. Sounds right. And so to me, it's not a legal issue because I think if we did do what you said, if we pulled back completely, it's still coming. I could be wrong. I'd I, love to be wrong. Right. The, the, you know, I, I've heard this before that, um, and, and I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not entirely uh, of the opinion that it is not true that the Muslims are breeding at an incredible rate, and soon they will take over the globe like a big, giant, dangerous cancer. And it's possible, right? I don't know, and I'm not willing to say that that is not true. However, what I am willing to say is that there is no we in the United States government. That is you and your ass, and then the guy who's taking taxes from you so that guy who's taking taxes from you he's got his buddies who uh you know pay his campaign contributions and those guys are the ones that benefit from these foreign wars you and me we don't get nothing i didn't get the 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 price of gas went up when we attacked iraq not down and that's kind of one of the things that i thought was going to happen right (laughs) the gas was going to go down because we were going to get some free oil and we didn't (laughs) their asses did i thought we weren't they we got all the stuff. If we had taken the free oil, <laughs> right? I would have. That's the that's the thing is somewhere along the line, you're talking about this resources thing, but the fact is there is no we other than we are their re- 
resource. They own our labor, they own our property, and they take it in order to fight their wars, in order to get more of other people's stuff so that they can make a larger we. Um, you know, that's, that's a hard statement to disagree with because I can't stand those people. I think they're a cancer in this country, our own government, because they've gone so far off the cliff. Uh, but yet, at the same point, we, we do need to have some sort of national identity. We do need to defend vigorously those virtues that we put down on a piece of paper, don't we? I, 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 the virtues? I mean, do we, do we, do we transpire? You know, do do we require other people in other parts of the world to, uh, you know, go by these virtues? And if so, we are doing a very bad job of it. I know I watched a recently a, a National Ge- Geographic thing there on uh, some of the the folks living in New Guinea, and those people are they're uh, you know breeding with young girls, and uh, you know they they're they're marrying off girls without uh, their consent. It's all I mean they're they're practically treated like property, and. We haven't done a what very good job. With us? What's that? What's this have to do with us? That's the thing. You the, lost me. Well, the idea that we would transport our values outside of the uh, United States, the, the values of uh, peace and freedom and, and prosperity at the point of a gun, um, doesn't is it's it's a non sequitur. It doesn't work. Um, if, I didn't say that though. I said okay. here. What? I, we missed each other. An okay. honest miscommunication. What's that? I'm talking about here. Okay. You know what? I'll throw a radical one at you. I think English should be the national language. I need to assimilate. Well, you're you're talking to a you know sort of an ex-Republican type here, so I'm not going to be too far from this. I think that the government should be uh, you know a tenth of the size it is, maybe a fifth of the size of the, or excuse me, a a five five percent of the size it is. Shut it down. Turn the lights out. Keep the pretty buildings. So I'm not shouldn't be required to fill out too many government forms. However, I don't think that I'm responsible for printing those government forms in Urdu and 150 other languages for people who haven't yet learned them. I also don't think that there's those people should have to come in contact with the government very often. So it's you know that's kind of where I'm at. I I believe the borders should be wide open for anybody who wants to come over here and uh, you know earn their way and and contribute to this country too. And here's the big problem, Bill, because we've got similar views on this, on what it's like back home. What do we do when you get a nest of them that sit here and they are val- they completely reject that value system, yet they live here? So you mean like they, they use democracy to impose their way on us? Is that what you're saying? Um, I'm talking about like Dearbornistan over here in Michigan. Uh, the police don't even like to go down in there. This This is a subculture within a culture and they completely reject our values so aren't we kind of being held hostage by it what what do we do with it though do you think that the people in lancaster pennsylvania are being held hostage by the amish i am no expert on pennsylvania i'm no expert on dearborn either but i i know that other uh, i'm what i'm trying to point out is that there are other cultures here in the united states that have managed to assimilate and i would hope that they would i would be more likely to want to assimilate well, I would be more likely to want to assimilate. Um, you know, you, you, it doesn't happen in a day or a night. If you look at, say, the Cubans who have come over to the United States, if you look at their first generation versus, uh, well, I mean, the G1, I guess we'll call the ones that came over, okay? And then G2, G1, let me mark that down. Yeah. G1. <laughs> G1 are the ones that, that came over, and then G2 and G3. We're in search of G1. 
one. <laughs> Those folks speak English at an incredibly higher rate than G1 does. And um, when you look at G2 and G3, uh, you know, and I think that you'll find that in Dearborn, that over time, these people, their little enclave will somewhat break up because, well, we've got better stuff over here. We got the hotter chicks. We got Coca-Cola. We oh, got my goodness. I hope you're right. Tight jeans. I really do. We got fast cars. What do they got? You know, they got <laughs> die, die a fiery death, get some virgins. Um, you know, here, you can live in the house and cover your face, lady. They just don't have it. We're offering freedom, prosperity, um, and all these good things that people can have. I mean, in my family, uh, my my uncle taught me, we, you know, he must have been fourth generation German or something like that. He taught me some poems in German. So there's still some aspect of the, you know, the the, the, the culture that still exists in my, you know, that at one point that would have been a very bad thing. Uh, Benjamin Franklin has a quote talking about the people in Pennsylvania, the Amish, and how those people just won't assimilate. And, <laughs> you know, I'd say that he was, gosh darn, that guy was right. He's prophetic and everything. They still haven't assimilated. And my, I, I sort of wonder how much is it because they simply weren't welcome. Their value system, though is based off the Judeo-Christian one. And we can go back and harangue about religion a bit, but there's a bit of a conflicting thing here. But I still want with, with Islam inside of it. And I hope you're right. My goodness, that would make life so rosy. But I, can, I, can I not call Nadal Hassan a terrorist yet? I can't call him a... As long as, you're willing to, as long as you're willing to call the government a terrorist, I don't have a problem with it. No, I'm not that. I'm not that far out there yet. <laughs> well, they use. They don't. They use terror. See, Nadal Hassan wasn't trying to terrorize anyone to get anything. He was just willing to sacrifice. An Islamic terrorist? Would that clear it up better? It's. It seems inaccurate to me. See, terrorism. Yeah, it's. It seems like was a person. A person who uses terror in order to get what they want would likely have to survive the experience in order to get something. See, that's, that's just completely a, contradictory to what this guy believed in. He got exactly what he wanted for what he believed in. But he hasn't inspired terror in me. Who the the group that inspires terror in me in the room. is uh, the ones that wear badges. <laughs> You're not on the military bases. I wouldn't go on a military base. For God's sakes, that, it's a giant collection of paid killers. I mean, no that's God. beside the point, right? The U.S. military, yes, and thank goodness they're paid killers. Because if we melted down all of our arms tomorrow, how long would we be around? Well, I think that uh, if I don't know who we are again, uh, but I think that you're talking again, Americans. See, there has to be an identity. There, there are no more country. guns in America than there are adults. Aircraft carriers. That's semantics. You're parsing it out. If we melted down the aircraft carriers tomorrow. In the cruise missiles and the fighter jets, how long are we a nation of laws? Oh, we're fine. Uh, what's Canada going to attack? <laughs> <laughs> we're fine. Yeah, we'll Nothing. be fine. That's a denial of the pecking order in the animal. Jet. I'm not interested in pecking order. I'm only interested but in... you live in it. I, you live on the globe in the animal kingdom. I, I think that um, I'm not willing to peck other people. Um, I am willing to only but peck those are. who peck me. Maybe they are, and we, at which point thing. they peck my ass, and then things will change. They will change radically, and they will change uh, in a very deadly, fatal manner. Tim, I cannot. Please wrap. Um, I just take, don't want it to be too late when we've already melted down the aircraft carriers and told all the guys that served in the armed forces that they're terrorists. That's my point. It's a great interview, Tim. Wrap wrap it up. I, Thanks, I've got Mark. to take it on. 
Good luck, Mark. Take care. Thank you. And when can, when and where can people uh, listen to more of your shows? They can check out my podcast at timdoctor.com. Thanks. Excellent. Thank you, Tim. See you, Mark. Bye-bye. Bye. If you're paying more than $14.95 per month for DSL, you are paying way too much. It's time to make the switch to DSL Extreme, the nation's number one internet service provider. DSL Extreme is fast. And at $14.95 per month, it's cheaper than dial-up. Plus, you get free spam protection, a free modem, and 24-hour-a-day free local tech support with no setup fees. Some restrictions apply. Call 1-866-2-GET-NET. That's 1-866-2-GET-NET. Or go to DSLExtreme.com.